Welcome to this week's episode of the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week we're covering Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead and Fede Alvarez Alvarez's Evil Dead, focusing on film budgets. As always, in order to have the best discussion possible, we recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode because of potential spoilers. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jacob. Wonderful. Uh, so we recorded Monday, so it's only been a couple of days, so I imagine there's not a ton of updates, right? Uh, I just have to say I saw two films. Whoa, what'd you see? I saw The Bad Batch. Dude, which, I just listened to a pod, another podcast where they were talking about that movie. I, so that's cool. I, it's going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. It's Sick. so Wait, unique. You listen to other podcasts, Keith? I'm a cheater. <laughs> and you never told us until now? I have to get ideas and shit I specifically from asked somewhere. you not to. <laughs> I have to get ideas and steal from people somehow. So Yeah, that's yeah. good point. But yeah, dude. That's bad, a, bad. The Bad Batch we, is the we same. We have horrible thing. ideas. <laughs> I don't know if people know that. <laughs> no, The Bad Batch was, uh, that was directed by the, the it was a chick who yeah, did. Anna uh, Lily Amapur, who did uh, A Girl, a girl walks, walks, walks Home Alone at Night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. Which was a dark movie. semi-Iranian one. Yeah. Yeah. Vampire yeah. movie. And then this movie. Yeah, shot in LA. Is just, uh, I mean, blows that one out of the water, at least in my eyes. Cool. It's, it's one of the, it's just. It's it more of sick. my like aesthetic and stuff. Um, it's got that mood going on. Yeah, it's actually she describes it as pre-apocalyptic, which is actually kind of cool and it makes sense. Like it's oh man, dude, it's so such a it's, good movie. So it's just a drama. <laughs> it's like yeah, I mean, there's like there's like some cannibalism in there. Uh, the cast yeah. is great. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You have like little. Is cameos. it like the be- the becoming of an ap- apocalypse? It's like as the apocalypse is like starting to happen, sort of a thing. Um, you like see it unwind. It doesn't really even say anything really about like how the world is or what the world is exactly. It just kind of like oh, it just cool. it just starts and you're you're just in yeah, it. Yeah, just in that's it. what I heard. Yeah, it's kind of right. cool. But then I saw that, and then I saw um, the Lost City of Z. Oh, oh how was that? Oh, you know, I really I've been a big fan of the director James Gray. He's done The Immigrant, um, We Own the Night, um, Two Lovers, uh, The Yards. Um, his films are just really good. Um, I've literally seen none of those. Oh my god! Oh my god! Jesus Christ! Well, he's have you a... seen the new Marvel movie? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so good. But know James Gray, writer director. Um, it stars uh, Charlie Hunnam, Sienna Miller, has Robert Pattinson, um, Tom Holland. Um, just an awesome cast. Uh, yeah, that's a good cast. It's just a. It's one of those type of movies that was made in like that would have been made in like the 40s and 50s and 60s it's um it's an adventure kind of uh type of movie it's just i don't know it's it's hard to describe but you guys if you haven't seen the trailer you have to at least check out the trailer i've definitely heard of it yeah the film is shot by darius kanji the cinematography is amazing Mm. probably if it doesn't get nominated for the oscar this year like i don't know hopefully it doesn't win because i think roger deakins should win for blade runner 2049 yeah i haven't seen it yet but roger deakins hasn't won an oscar yet for cinematography so he needs to win i know he's been nominated like 24 times or something stupid yeah. like that yeah but yeah i have to just have to shout out those two movies uh the lost city of z and the bad batch because nice. those are going to be in my top 15 films of the year nice. guaranteed nice um, cool really good 
You say top 15, and I don't even know how many movies I've seen that have come out in 2017. I think I've seen two. Oh, really? What? Fast, oh, fa- no, no, no. I've God. seen more than two movies this year. I'm saying I've the only ones seen that two came- movies that have come out this year, dude. That's because crazy. I just generally don't watch newer movies. <laughs> I did it for the Whoa. podcast. It was Ghost in the Shell and Fate. And fa- no. What came out? No. I watched Raw, but I think that came out oh, yeah, technically Raw. last year. Well, but I, I see that's what. You, you watched gonna, Ghost in the Shell. A Ghost in the Shell and Fate of the Furious, but that was for the podcast. Um, right, but that counts. Seen... I, no, that's what I'm saying. I see. I have, have you seen two? Oh, God, I know there's more that you have. And I saw seen. Raw, and I saw Logan. But John I think Wick those two. Are... Oh, that did come out. John I did Wick see John two. Wick two. <laughs> that did. So I've seen about three or four, yeah, yeah. maybe but five. Not, not like. And yeah. you said oh top God, that's fifteen. Like six. You know, like. So I don't well, I don't remember the, when the other yeah, ones came gonna out. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of really good movies coming out later in the year that are going to be like I don't know it's going to be tough. But I definitely know the Bad Batch and Lost yeah. Newsy will be up there on my list for sure. Speaking of the new Star Wars though, uh, that Jacob <laughs> brought up. Do you know Ron Howard is directing it now? Yeah, I saw that. And what? honestly, like... yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so just a quick what? quick story. So it was I'll save my opinions for it. It was the two dudes, the two, the two dudes who were directing it were the guys who did 21 Leg- Jump Street and Lego, Lego and the Lego yeah. movie. Oh. Um, and 22 Jump Street. Super and, goofy kind of movie. And I think they did like community and they've done some TV show directing and they're like a duo, right? Yeah. Uh, apparently. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Exactly. Lord and Miller. Exactly. Um, yeah. They got booted off the new Star Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're totally the EW of uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> you know, big things, you know, Ron Howard and stuff like that. It's kind of interesting to talk about because right. Ron let's, Howard's let's... filmography is, is not Star Wars. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, it's totally different. But let's, let's clarify for the listeners. It, they got booted off of the new Han Solo movie. Han Solo. Not, yes. Not yes, yes, The yes. Last Jedi, which is coming out in December. The Last Jedi is directed and written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Um, they got booted off the Han Solo solo movie, the which is coming out next origin year. story. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, have they started filming yet? Yeah. Yes. Apparently, they were deep they into filming. Like a, they only had like a week left. Yeah, what? they're really deep into filming, and I guess so. The, they might the, go do reshoots. Right. Maybe. Uh, because what, supposedly, what was happening was they were the tone and direction of the movie was going against the script that Kasdan had written. Um, and they were trying to push it because they're comedic directors, right? Their their style and what they're going for is a lighter tone. Yeah. And I, I'm they're not saying balls. right, they're super goofballs, exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying Star Wars they they don't want they don't want Star Wars to be dark by any means, but they need it to have a dramatic tone. Um, where these guys, I guess, were not delivering, and they were not <laughs> delivering on the amount of daily work they needed to get done to stay on budget and to stay wow. on time. So I guess they got um, taken off, and through whatever reason, Ron Howard's hat was in, or Ron Howard was, you know, his name was in the hat, and Ron Howard is going to, it'll be whatever the he's, name he's of just, the Han Solo yeah. film is, directed by Ron Howard. Well, he's, he's just finishing it, but I think how the, shoots, how the DGA works, I guess it really depends on how much work goes into it, but I think Phil Lord and Miller are going to be credited as the directors still on the 
on the film. Right. You know, because there's a lot of politics behind the DGA, which we should cover at some point because yeah, it's really interesting. But see, that makes yeah. sense though, because like if they're if they only have one week left of like filming a principal photography right granted, well no it's, it's well, one week to, but then they next have to of reshoots. right 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 but still if, it's like, if they even do that though they it, will it seems like they, they will. will because they were filming i have it right. up here right now but they were filming for four and a half months so that's like a long so like time. i mean like the, most of the movies filmed like we, yeah that's that's safe to say so like, but like it how is weird. it how is it now that they're like we have creative like how did it take them this long to i don't know realize? I you know, know. I'm, I'm glad they realized it, but how does it take you that long? Like that's crazy. It's a trip. At the same time, this is this is kind of like terrible of me to say, but Do wouldn't it. it have been kind of awesome if it just fucking tanked and then Star Wars like kind of just like <laughs> if they had like, one bad movie? Yeah, like like I where mean, like Disney was like, oh fuck, like well, maybe we should well, spend all this money into Disney. Maybe we should spend more no, money on like action. No, I, I don't root for movies. Wait, wait, to wait, wait. Tank. That's okay, okay, horrible. okay. No, that's Star I, Wars did have three <laughs> prequels. You're like becoming a different person because of this podcast. Sp- Star Wars did have three prequels <laughs> that people don't necessarily like to talk about. So, you dude, know. I, yeah, I'll talk about them. I'll talk. I'll talk yeah. about how much I hate hated the second one. Exactly. I enjoyed the first one when I watched it, and then I thought the third one was pretty good. There's so much money wrapped into Star Wars. I can't imagine. I okay. Even if this movie ended up being bad, it's still going to make a bajillion dollars yeah. because it's Star Wars. And everyone's going to go yeah. see it regardless. And all the Legos yeah. and everything that's yeah, going to be yeah, made yeah, because yeah, of yeah. it. It's going to be huge. I went to, when I was in California, I went, uh, I didn't go into Disneyland, but I went to downtown Disney. And in all their gift shops, dude, it's Star Wars everything now. <laughs> oh, Star Wars Legos, Star Wars drawings, like 100 Fifty to three hundred dollar like drawings, Star Wars yeah. stuff. Marvel yeah. commercials are playing on the TVs, dude. They're just playing like yeah. I barely saw Marvel and saw Star Wars. Like they're playing yeah. up Star Wars so hard right now. Yeah. Right. It's well, insane. that's probably they're probably building up for Last Jedi. You know, totally. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. But also, I think I think just in general, I think a lot of uh, the people who spend money, like the adults were around when Star Wars came out. So that's that's yeah. their movie as opposed to yeah. the MCU is the kids. I'm not saying it's just the kids because there's a lot of adults who right. grew up with comics, but I think Star Wars is like is the culture where MCU is trying to become the culture, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 for sure. You know. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I think they're just hitting another demographic with Star Wars that they're not hitting with MCU like at all, you know, and it's a but, wider audience base and they're kind of making Disneyland like less about being a kid. You know, they're, they're, it seems like they're, right. they're kind of making it more like a thing that the whole family can enjoy, but like actually the whole family can enjoy because well, you know, yeah. when you see a movie and it's like, this is a family film. Really? It's just a kid's film with like right. one dick joke in there that kids won't understand. It's a dick joke. Yeah. But <laughs> Disneyland is becoming a land where kids and adults can both enjoy right. dick jokes. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they're basically making Star Wars land now. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like That's it's, space. I feel yeah. like they're gonna replace space with uh Yeah. You know. I mean, I feel like I from what I understand, they're like redeveloping parts of their park and maybe expanding so that they can introduce more Star Wars related like rides and like ride for yeah. yeah. Like Ryan yeah. Princess Leia. Wow. Triple yeah, like X Star Wars. They already have Triple X Star cups. Wars, man. <laughs> They'll replace the teacups with Leia's 
And so all those perverted uh, Star Wars fans can ride Leia and spin on her. <laughs> the Star Wars fetish. Oh my, oh my god. god, yeah, there's there's a lot of, there's oh, a lot Jesus. of that. Yeah. Oh. B Ryan is out. Dude, there's basically a fetish for everything, so well, I mean, if like, that's I your thing, then go for like, it. I didn't want to like I, I, or, or, or don't or don't go for it. Do <laughs> do you, shit. man. You I do did. you. I mean I I guess like I I don't I don't wanna see like a movie fail, but at the same time I kinda there's all this emphasis on Star Wars and and, and, and uh Marvel that it's like it's sad that that money isn't going to like dare I say more talented directors. I mean Phil Lord and well, maybe, not more tal- maybe not more maybe not more talented Ryan directors. Cool. But... Yeah, Ryan Johnson's really but Phil, good. Phil Lord and and uh, fucking uh, God, uh, Chris Miller. Those guys are amazing. Clyde with a chance of meatballs. Yeah, but that made no sense to have them direct Star Wars. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying it made sense, but they're not shitty directors, dude. Lego Movie was fucking awesome. <laughs> I, I never what saw I'm wondering, it. <laughs> what I'm wondering you, is if... Have you seen any of their movies? Um, 21 Jump Street was funny. I've seen, yeah, I've movie seen, was I've all seen right, 21 but, and 22 Jump but, Street. Yeah. I've, I've, seen, might, I've seen those. What I'm wondering... That doesn't even count. They might be good directors, <laughs> but they, directors. Might, they might be well, one-trick ponies. They're, they're not maybe shitty, but they're shitty compared to, like, fucking... Dude, one-trick ponies? Hang on. I'm No, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, They've, dude, th- th- this is like their sixth or seventh movie. But they they're all the pony? same. Yeah, but, but they're not, all the same style and type of movie. At the same, no, they're yeah. not. Well, they're not, and they're not bringing like they're not all new. the same type of movie. That's but like, crazy. They can't, but like, okay, but you're talking about like, okay, they're good directors. However, they're not as good as like fucking like James Gray, who did like City of Lost Z, that actually knows how to like come up. Like, like, <laughs> but like, but these people like. <laughs> Phil Lord can't like work with Daniel Day Lewis and go and, and like evoke like a good strong performance out of the guy. Like you just know it. Like I yeah, know but, that yeah. his you can started. be a g- but that's like no. totally not even their style. Okay, of exactly. Directing. Exactly. So like that doesn't make it bad. Well, it's not bad. It's just and no one's saying they're bad. I'm all I'm saying is they have a particular style, and that style doesn't necessarily make for a good Star Wars movie. Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree In terms of that. one trick, I'm saying their style is in comedy, their style is in improv, their style is is that, is that type of directing. Dare I say... So right, stay, but, but that's, stay with that That's like half okay, of, okay. The, that's like half of everything. Like, I guess half of the movies are dramas. No, but you can't <laughs> walk so into say, Star Wars. Like, all comedies Dude. suck ass. No, that's no stupid. one's saying that. No one's said no, that. Oh, is that all what you're saying? saying? No. no. I feel like that's what you're saying. All we're no. saying one is that you can't, okay. you can't walk into Star Wars <laughs> and be like, we're going to improv some scenes. Dude... Star Wars Dude, is the most they restrictive. Didn't star- okay. They didn't walk into apparently the there was over creative differences of how they were yeah, trying to direct the movie. They're not going into a board meeting like, "Hey, we're just gonna we're gonna do Star Wars, but we're gonna do it improv." No one would buy that from apparently, them. Apparently, that's part of the reason why is that that's how they were directing because things. They were improvising too much because they were like, let's say you have. You have a quota that you had to hit. Like, I need we need fifteen different camera setups in in today to keep on budget and to stay uh, on, on our deadline. They were not meeting that because they were doing so many takes of one thing because they were trying to like do their improvisational like style. Is that, <laughs> is that actually what happened? Is that what you? I'm read? saying that's part of it. I'm not saying that's the only reason because well, it's never just a single right. singular reason. But did you read that? Yes. I didn't read that, but that makes sense. 
fucking directors noodle around all the time. That's not just because of a comedy director. No, but I'm saying in their <laughs> case specifically, their the style does not mesh to that. So you can't have them dicking around trying to f- improv a scene when the scene was already written and also apparently right. apparently I feel, I feel like you're guessing hold on, hold on. no no I no, feel no, like no, you're no, guessing. no apparently they also had a hand in the script it well, like Lawrence well, yeah. Kasdan wrote the script but they had a hand in altering the script and signed off on the script so you can't sign off on the script and then say well we're gonna change it now because we're directing like Star Wars is, there's like, you know, $500 million being wrapped up into this movie. You can't just start dicking around (laughs) and not expect for the producers to show up and be like, uh, so why are we not like eight shots further ahead than we are right now? What were these boys thinking? You know, like. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm reading the same thing. Okay, so. Yeah, that makes sense. You're still wrong, though. (laughs) (laughs) Is it, is it. Okay, so, like, you know how there's kind of, like, the films that go to, like, the Cannes Film Festival, right? You're not going to see Phil Lord and Chris Miller have a film that's going to, like, be in competition at the Cannes Film Festival, right? No. So, what I'm trying to say is it's kind of sad that you have all this money going to the types of movies that Chris Miller and... Phil Lord are making when this money, there when more of that money could be going, <laughs> could be going to, to other franchises to or other, to indie other types projects. of films yeah, that I are like you. that you. are more like like more cinema in the sense of like cinema as like an art form that's like high art, not like art that's for the masses. I'm not saying that there's one that's better than the other. I'm just saying it's sad that. <laughs> All the money only exactly goes. What you're saying? No, I'm not. All the money only goes to the ones that goes to the public masses. It doesn't really go to the ones that appeal to film as like a high art. It's like 250 million dollars gets pumped into Star Wars yeah. production. 50 million of that could be spread to like 18 different films right. that further cinema or have a difference. You know, like approach right perspective right. I'm not story saying one, like, is, one right. is better than the other it just, it's like a, it's like the difference between cartoons and like high art right yeah. they're both art i love both i love graphic novel art uh, that to me is like maybe my preferably my favorite type of art it's like it's a high art to me but that all the money's going towards that it's not going to the people that are like well, furthering the, right. like high it, it, art i don't know how to sure. well no but it's like you guys it's are like, it's there, it's about money. It's not. It's just about money. Like, that's exactly that's, what I was gonna say. If you're not gonna go fund some like high art thing, because they're not looking to like right. push cinema. No, so no. When right. you say when like a director signs up for one of these projects, they they're signing up for that director's voice. And I think having directors like uh, Ryan Lord and Miller are like awesome because they're bringing their voice to these movies and. Um, it, Which, maybe, I mean, maybe it was a yes. weird choice to do the Han Solo movie, but I mean, it—they're bringing I, their voice. Who cares? Who they're cares? bringing their voice, but it's also a—it's a product and a brand that's too heavily entrenched. You can't—you can't just show well, yeah, up we, and then we change. Say that. We say that Star now. Wars. Like you can say that after the fact. Like now that we know that it's all went awry, but like going into it, I, I mean. Frankly, I didn't even know that these guys were directing it until uh, I found out about this bad news. And by that point, everyone was like, well, 
they shouldn't have hired the blah 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 to do the blah 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 and it's like <laughs> well if the movie was fucking awesome then and, and everything went smoothly no one would be saying that you know right but I don't know because they hired them the movie did not go as the production is not going as smoothly as they had hoped so they had to replace it but also them. like Ryan Johnson really talented director he, like I love his yeah. I, I love his work his, and in, his and movie his, and he's what big doing, movie did yeah and he's doing the Star Wars and that's awesome like it's cool because they actually hired a guy who did independent films that furthered the art that went to Sundance and film festivals right and then now he gets a chance to do a big movie that's cool Chris Lord and uh, Chris Miller and, and Phil Lord however they've only kind of ever really done like these big things I'm just saying that it's just that movie is going to be different than the last it's, Jedi, I guess. Huh? It sucks well, yeah. because it no sucks shit, because it's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> basically, what you're saying, Byron, is that like yeah. because Star Wars is such a big franchise, investors are lining up to get their money involved in the franchise that's going to make right. a billion or a half a billion and a half dollars. Yeah, yeah. those people too, because too their money, money, right? Because their money. Because they know that that franchise is going to make money, they're not investing that money in other films. And I'm not necessarily a proponent or an opponent of high art cinema. I'm just talking about a, a diverse level of cinema right. in general. And the, the money is not being dispersed into those films because it's so wrapped up in the MCU and the Star Wars universe. And I, I get what you're saying for sure. It's like, you know, you could take, you know, I mean, brilliant movies have been made for less than a million dollars like the neon demon made for six million bucks like nothing like that's nothing you know who's the director on that i forgot i can't remember wait the angel is phil lord and chris miller talking right now (laughs) wait wait, what they directed neon demon the people who directed community what (laughs) that shitty show i I hear a voice i think it might be them talking (laughs) <laughs> Jacob Jacob talks for he talks no, for no, the no, I, I am uh, I, it's he talks you, for the you mainstream. know Phil Lord is uh, he's 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 deaf and uh, he's he's sending me sign language and I'm just I'm I'm saying what he's saying okay, so like I'm, I'm channeling him I'm not hating what, on I'm not hating on those guys like <laughs> like because I'm gonna go see that movie I'm gonna go see the Han Solo movie you know like. Nerd. Like I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I want to spend my hard-earned money, and I want to go watch that fucking movie. Like, I'm, not, I'm just saying that I don't have anything against those two guys either. I'm just, it's just like I, I wish that, like the playing field maybe was a little bit more even in the sense of budget because, like, you have these people that have such awesome things to say with their films, and then you have these films that have something to say but not in the same way as these people that are like really trying to tell a story that's a part of them, you know? Like mm-hmm. Phil Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah, it's their movie blah 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 blah. But they're not making this movie because it's a passion project where this is something that they are like literally putting their but house. You can't, they're you not can't, put, you can't They're say not putting that. Their, they're not putting their Yeah, I can because they're not putting their well, house up why, for fucking Why do loans. people why do people need to put their house like on the line for a fucking movie, dude. It's no one's movie. saying they need to. They, they but don't need to, but don't it's, need to, it's but that fucking important to them. Yeah, like Jeff that's Nichols, the thing, yeah. who did take shelter, had to put his fucking house and stuff on, like you know, on different loans and like stuff because he that 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 film meant more to him than anything else. Like it meant that, like I, it was, yeah, it it really meant something to him. Whereas Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they don't give a fuck. Like seriously, 
Like they'll they're go out getting and say that they were paid. Star Wars they're nerds, fucking but paid. they're getting like, of course, they care that all the Star Wars fans want to have a good Star Wars movie. But this movie isn't like tearing them from like like their self identity. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, they, uh, yeah, that makes sense. They, I think I just I just disagree. I think I think they did care deeply about this Star Wars movie. I mean, they got to do the Han Solo movie. How fucking awesome! But their but, but their stakes the stakes aren't as aren't the same. It's like comparing it to say like the guy. No, who made I, I understand. No, no. You guys it's need like, to explain it over and over. I, I get it. I get what you're trying to say. I just disagree. I don't. I think that encouraging people to or watching only movies or or just the whole idea that if a movie's so important to you, you should like put your house on the line, like put your kids in jeopardy, like. Don't put your kids in jeopardy. Like I, don't think, I, I, don't think, I, I, don't, I say, like don't do any don't, of that. Shit. I don't think you have like, take, to. <laughs> well, yeah, but like it's you don't have people to. do. But he, but he did because I, like, I don't want to encourage people to do that because it's not <laughs> worth it for for a movie. Like it's not. It's not. Yeah, sure, you get a good movie after. But see, looking, I think it. But see, that's where I. That's where I, dis- fact, that's where great, I disagree, but, though. Like, that's where I disagree, I, I though, because I think it's worth it put your life in jeopardy for a movie that's so I do. stupid to me no i really because apocalypse now is an amazing think, movie and think, he almost killed himself i, th- over I seriously it, so. think it is worth yeah, it because I, don't, I don't believe in that see that's but I, that's, that's because it's a movie it's not like it's not like some like it's not like the civil war you know where but see, people but that's, die but then for that's like a, an important cause it's but a that's movie. Def, but that's def, that's where you and i will differ than how much we love film like i would be willing if i had a passion project i would be willing to put everything on the line to make my fucking movie because that's how much i care about film and my like particular vision whereas like if you wouldn't then maybe that says something about how your relationship with your own work is i'm not saying that that's a bad thing or a good thing it's just different than mine like it, yeah, that makes sense, but I, I don't think it's a measure of passion. You know, I think well, maybe it's not passion. I don't know what yeah. it is, but it's like I, I don't know. It's like the people that that are willing to do pretty much anything, I guess, with any of their jobs. I don't know. Well, actually, that's kind of perfect because <laughs> because <laughs> here we go. The first Evil Dead was. But, uh, but seriously, res- respect. Got a little heated there, but respect. Well, yeah. no, I mean, like, I, I don't believe like, in your guys's. I, I trust you guys, but like, <laughs> it's boring know. as hell to have people agree. So the fact well, yeah. that there's like, yeah, we're we, yeah, no, just, I mean, it's it's all love. Like, I'm not. It's just I'm discussion. Not mad or yeah, anything. It's just discussion. It's just, it's yeah. a discussion. Like, yeah. I'm not coming up to Bellingham to beat you tonight. You know. Well, I, I was hoping that you. I might come do it tomorrow. To <laughs> beat something but not. <laughs> okay yeah I can, I can come up tonight I can, I can make this work he's got the leather suit in his closet so <laughs> you got the uh, do you want to be the gimp this the time gimp. or should I be the gimp let's maybe do Keith half. can let's, be the gimp let's, let's do half and half <laughs> I got my own thing going on <laughs> no but uh, oh, so it fits perfectly because the evil dead was Sam Raimi's passion project that he basically put all his I don't know how much he necessarily put on the line himself which I imagine being fairly as young as he was when he made the film was quite a bit but uh, he basically put all his energy and effort and believed a lot in this low budget project that ended up kind of becoming a phenomenon so um, yeah our main topic this week is film budgets and how they can impact the filmmaking process kind of how we were already talking about (laughs) Star Wars having a infinite budget and these other films that you know work on micro budgets basically what we had been um, talking about the last like 
15 or 20 minutes or so it's all it's all been scripted it was all like, it was <laughs> yes. all master plan like it, <laughs> i'm actually a pro script writer so uh, yeah. you know he, he's pretty good he's pretty good <laughs> and not only that the, the the heated discussion we were all just acting so that's how good of actors we yeah were we're all doing. really good <laughs> yeah so hire us to act right we're, we're uh, terrible editors though yeah. terrible editors <laughs> Jacob doesn't know how to record audio either. Yeah, and bad, bad record. We need an audio guy, and a, yeah, exactly. Uh, but but seriously though, like really, there's nothing more in the filmmaking process that ex- that affects your film as much as the budget does, uh, because the budget is what pays for the labor. Whether or not you can have a list labor, or whether you just get your friend to shoot for you. Uh, it affects the equipment, you know, you know, there's different ways you can get equipment, but generally speaking, um, hiring the people who have equipment or being able to buy equipment for your production, buying the locations, um, being able to, to send people to locations and pay for them to stay there. All of that has to do with the budget. Um, so in with, uh, in line with that, our first film is the evil dead written and directed by Sam Raimi. It was made in 1981. The film stars Bruce Campbell, Ellen Sandwise, Hal Dietrich, a.k.a. Richard DeManincore, uh, Betsy Baker, and Sarah York, a.k.a. Teresa Tilly, most of whom were Sam Raimi's friends. Uh, just a quick synopsis of the film. According to IMDb, uh, five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. Uh, so, let's see. Uh, there was also about on top of those actors there was also about 20 separate people who played the fake shemps in the film yeah. so a, a fake shemp or just shemp s-h-e-m-p is someone who appears in a film as a replacement for another actor or person uh, in this film it's fairly obvious I think when there's a replacement for certain uh, actors and actresses and certain demons uh, t- you know the the shots where they show the demon who's trapped under the trap door. Uh, you can clearly tell it's someone else in a mask. Uh, the ch- the demon who sits in the doorway who laughs at him. The behind shots are all with someone else. It was not the actress. Uh, in fact, I think Sam Raimi actually was a stand-in for some of those costumes. Yeah, he was. And so mm-hmm. was Ted Raimi, uh, his brother, who goes on to act in Ash versus the Evil Dead. He had just a small little cameo in um, Miller's Crossing by the... Oh, Miller's really? Scene. Nice. Yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, that's a... It's a process to, to you know, when you can't... When your talent goes off and does something else and you can't bring them back, uh, you just fill it in with someone else and then you shoot around it. <laughs> the film was produced by Raimi, uh, by Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Robert Taper, and Irvin Shapiro. It was shot by Tim Phil, edited by Edna Ruth Paul... And assistant edited by Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. And music was by Joe Loduca. So it's interesting, the Cohen connection, actually, because Sam Raimi actually becomes friends with the Cohen Brothers uh, later on in filmmaking. And they kind of bounce ideas and whatnot bat- and, and kind of have small hands in each other's films uh, as their time goes on. And they do the, the later films. Uh, let's see. Production design was done by the carpenter, Steve Frankel, and makeup was done by Tom Sullivan. So they actually had a carpenter do all of the production design, which is usually atypical. Usually you have someone who's a designer with an idea of how to connect multiple elements as opposed to just someone who focuses their skill on one element, such as carpentry. Um, the crew was really sparse. 
you know, there was basically the people I named were the crew filling in every position a, a crew member on a film like this would do. <laughs> uh, everyone basically had to pick up extra work. Ramey was do he was, you know, directing and editing, but also, you know, trying to set up the scenes and everything because basically they shot in a cabin that was abandoned and they had to fix the cabin up, but also wire it because there was no electricity. So they had to wire it for the lights. Um, there was no heating. So they had to basically just like by the end of the shoot, they were destroying pieces of, of their set to light a fire to heat. A lot of the actors got sick. Uh, it was like freezing temperatures. Uh, basically they all were sleeping in like one or two rooms of the cabin together. Uh, and it was essentially just a shit show of a shoot. <laughs> they just did every, it was, it, it was a straight up passion project. You know, like the, the budget was so low that they were basically paying them barely any money to just stay there and shoot. See, if Disney had only given them some fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> it was 81, so they had already made Star Wars. Or no, Disney was, no, no. They had already had a, a bunch of uh, animated films, so. Yeah. They had fun. the money. Were, were they big dogs at, at that point? or In the who, 80s? Who was the big dog in the 80s? Yeah. Spielberg, probably. Well, considering all the so animated you know, films Universal? they had. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, uh, with such a film, with such a script and such an idea, I can't imagine any of the major studios would have picked it up. Though, no, you know, yeah, like, probably not. They would that's oh, why yeah. he had trouble. They would have just been like, oh, look at this schlock. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Horror, the genre of horror itself has had a really hard time being elevated. You know, it's the the beginnings of horror was always like people thought it was the lowbrow cinema. It was trashy. Mm-hmm. You know, only the, the lowest of the low would even just, you know, decide to make horror drama and comedy and, and stuff like that was considered the high end you know the stuff that was related to plays were considered the high end um so i mean it's taken a really long time not until the 70s 80s and 90s where horror really was like elevated to you know hitchcock kind of elevated the thriller oh, gosh, and then the thriller it. helped that elevation helped elevate the ho- the thriller aspects of horror and have it become more of a, a legitimized genre. Yeah, because you have like The Shining, right? Which is like a yeah. thriller, but it's also like a drama, but it's like a psychological thriller. Psychological horror, right. too, yeah. It's a little supernatural right. in mm-hmm. there, but it's exactly. elevated, so it's not this schlock thing. It's it's it's, like, it's very intellectual. But even yeah. The Shining, you know, which was Kubrick, like had its struggles. Right, yeah. When it first came out, too, you know. it's And I mean, same with like uh, The Exorcist, you know. Yeah, but it's like Oscar-nominated sure. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah, now it's considered like the scariest movie of all yeah. time, one of the greatest movies yeah. ever made, stuff like that. Yeah, and now like you right. hardly ever see or Rosemary's Baby even films. too. Yeah, yeah, you know you hardly ever see him get nominated for any Oscars. You know, well they don't at yeah. all, and then, like horror is like one of the most popular genres <clears throat> in the world, makes a crap ton of money. Um, you know, compared to other genres, get some and sexy it... women in there, some blood. <laughs> yeah, it gets, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it still just doesn't get. You know, and a lot of people consider the award shows, Oscars, stuff like that as like the epitome. So like not getting any recognition at all to some people is a complete travesty. So, right. You know, we look um, at a f- question for you guys. Trivia question. <clears throat> what was the most recent horror film to uh, get recognized by the Academy? Would uh, Mad Max Fury Road be considered horror? Uh, no, because it's not on this list I'm looking at on Google. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It was 2010. 
It's not Drag Me to Hell, was it? Uh, Which was also Sam Raimi. Also, yeah, it's yeah. it's also. Uh, I I think most people would call this a thriller. 2010 or a mystery film. Um, well, it's Black Swan, but I don't know. Oh, okay. That to me, that's not like as that's like a psycho- it had like horror a, elements. Yeah, it's yeah. Like psychological it had thriller. Horrific, yeah, but it, yeah, it's like a thriller. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. more, but see, Black Swan presented itself as like a drama but like right? psychological thriller is, right. it's it's like a subgenre of horror though right because like well, psycho is considered a horror film but it's really like psychological it's like it's more like a thriller right but see thriller implot thriller itself it, it can be mutually exclusive from horror because right. thriller true. can just be something that keeps you on the edge of your seat but not scary right. like you know a lot of uh early uh uh, Harrison Ford films can be considered thrillers, yeah. you know. Stuff I like love that. thrillers. Like, They're one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. It's possibly my favorite genre. That and western. I I love I love thrillers. Like you can like make a good thriller. Vertigo's like, a thriller, yeah. but it's right. not a horror. It's movie, not a right? horror one, right? Right. Whereas Psycho, like Psycho is, like, is like a horror, more thriller. horror because it's kind of slasherish, right? So right. Um, yeah. It's not trying to scare you as opposed to keep you as opposed to trying to keep you um, your heart going. Yeah. Intense you know? and, yeah. And, so, like, Black Swan is interesting because, yeah, it has horror elements. I would say I, it's... But I would say it's, like, psycho in the sense of it has enough horror elements that it would be considered, like, that type of thriller, not a regular thriller. It's not so lowbrow right. that right. the Academy recognized it type of thing. Right. Like, that's the thing. Right. It's like, like I said, Black Swan presented itself as something... Because the the con- the content it was dealing with was, like, ballets, which are considered, like, a highbrow... Yeah art form right right yeah but it was also like being replaced by a younger person you you know like the idea of like you're getting old and you're you're not you know like that which is which is a thing in like for actresses and uh in the dance community you know and for me and for and for me and for me Ryan. Ryan. Uh, so yeah yeah they totally like wound in like all this really interesting stuff with the horror like you know because like her legs go backwards in that movie and it's kind of yeah. freaky to like the look skin at, scene know? she starts writing peels her skin uh, yeah feathers like there's some and, fucking nasty yeah. shit in that and movie. when Winona Ryder starts like stabbing her face in with the knife so that's pretty bad yeah there's a couple yeah, right? of like jumpy stuff yeah. you know yeah. definitely more that's like one of my favorite more, films of that year probably my favorite film of that year yeah, yeah. That, Darren that, Aronofsky man that guy he's, well, think, he's a wizard yeah. god Darren, yeah he's a trip dude he's a in, I, I mentioned this, I think, on the last episode, that show I watched, Parts Unknown. He actually goes with Anthony Bourdain to Madagascar. No way, I should And they shoot the whole episode as... And uh, Aronofsky is, like, the, the part... Uh, the guest or whatever. Oh, whoa. And he actually... Huh. It's interesting because for Noah... Uh, the, the making of Noah, he actually went vegetarian for that. And it's a vegetarian now. And in Madagascar, a lot of, you know, food is scarce and whatnot. And, like, he kind of struggled to find certain things to eat because a lot of their main dishes would be fish or pork or something, you know. Like, it's it's not common that they have a lot of food, but but when they do, it's typically meat-based. So he was struggling to kind of find food to eat, wow. you know, like <laughs> doing that. But I guess he right. chose – he was the one who, who chose to go to Madagascar. So oh, cool. it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting perspective getting it from, from his – you know, from his end as a filmmaker yeah. and whatnot, uh, a successful filmmaker, clearly. Um, 
So yeah, so the initial budget for The Evil Dead was $90,000, which was about 10000 less than what Raimi wanted. Uh, he, sec- he secured this budget by creating a short film titled Within the Woods, uh, which he showed to as many people as he could. Basically, it's The Evil Dead condensed down into a short film. Is, is the exact same premise. Uh, people go to out into the woods, they encounter a demon, and they get possessed. Um, and so he... he just showed it to everyone anyone and anyone who would watch the film it uh, didn't matter what job they were in who they were it, it didn't matter it just he wanted to collect as much money as he can five bucks motherfucker basically <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what it was yeah he's you know anyone who would watch it uh he would stage showings uh wherever so he could to my house and watch a five minute film <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh so uh, let's see. Uh, so basically, with that budget to limit the costs and ensure a faster shooting schedule, Raimi utilized the single location, uh, with much of the f- uh, film taking place in the main room of the cabin. They don't really go. They kind of go into like a you know bedroom or whatnot. But you know, the other rooms or whatever other room was there was where all the equipment and all the sleeping stuff was stored. So. You know, they don't shoot in there because it's a hassle to move everything out just to shoot in a room, you know. So yeah. to so keep it all condensed in one area, in one location, in one location, basically. <laughs> um, however, by the end of making the film, because so basically what they did was they shot for a couple weeks with the $90,000 budget. They weren't, they didn't have enough money or time to finish the film. So they took what they had and shopped it around. And by the time the film was uh, finished, their overall budget was closer to about $350,000. Wow. Which is a pretty significant jump. Um, And that's why you can kind of... Like, the movie's weird because there's lots of of bad continuity that you you notice. Like, the haircuts change um, Mm -hmm. from shot to shot. (laughs) <laughs> Some of the effects change. Um, the Shemp costumes quality kind of changes a little bit. So, like, you you definitely feel like a sort of uh, quality change because they were they had more money uh, to attack these scenes with, uh, which is cool because that kind of like if you watch the film, you can really see the difference that ninety thousand dollars versus three hundred fifty thousand dollars, or uh, you know, the uh, closer to like two forty or whatever. Uh, Two sixty thousand, two hundred sixty thousand dollars would be, uh, but so when they made the film, the film didn't have a distribution plan, which is kind of a cardinal mistake that a lot of filmmakers will make. They'll be like, "Well, I made the film, but now what do we do with it?" Typically, uh, if you know bigger productions, things that have a lot of money pumped into it, they will have a distribution plan in place. You know, there'll be a company, a separate company that'll pick up the slack, uh, but there'll be at least money set aside or invested in that'll cover marketing and distribution costs uh, because someone has to make all the pro- you know, the the products, right? Right. Uh, but yeah, when you have like no money or when your project already costs like hella money, yeah. you know, it's like you're just <laughs> thinking, how do I just, I just want to make it. You know, I bet exactly. this thing. He's like, how do I just, I just want to make this and then we'll figure out the rest. Later. Exactly. It was one yeah. step at a time, basically. Yeah. Um, so because it had no distribution plan, he basically gambled on getting distribution through film festivals. So this is a common misconception too, is that, uh, you know, newer filmmakers will set aside money or, uh, when they make their film, they'll market around for more money 
to get into festivals, assuming that if you get in a festival, then you're good to go. However, film festivals is where a lot of films go to essentially die. They get shown at the yeah. festival, but they there's no guarantee that you will be picked up for yeah. distribution. It's right. always a gamble and always a risk. You know, it's it, yeah. it, if your <laughs> film is in competition. So that's the other thing too, is you not only do you have to get into the festival, but you have to get into competition at the festival. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, but you better make a film that places in the top of that festival. Otherwise, good luck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. right. You might get picked up by a small distribution house, but it'll be a small distribution. Right. And it might be straight to, you know, you might go straight to DVD or VOD nowadays yeah. or whatever. It's, it's it's like you're you played football in college and you're trying to get into the NFL. So yeah. you're going to like those things, you know, the, mm-hmm. those uh, the combines and stuff. Yeah. To, yeah. Just in order to like try and get in the NFL. It's, it's basically like you get into the NFL. Exactly. If you, if you well, get that off of a distribution because the, the cutoff, man, even for the NFL is just stupid. Like yeah. how many people are trying and just don't. Right, exactly. What's, what's weird about this too that I'm thinking about is like, this is in you know the early '80s. So like, and how different that is, how different that festival circuit and distribution is to like now. Right. Because like yes. there's because there's like now there's like so many more short films and independent films out there in the world because you can, it's just it's you can actually go make a, a, a decent looking film for a cheaper amount of money now right. than you did back right. then. So it's interesting to see how you have people that are like so like they they cost them you know still a significant amount of money but if I if we if you guys like if we made a movie with that budget we would be like the movie would look better than what The Evil Dead looks like. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, not right. more, not only in production quality, but just like everything, we'd be able to get better lights, better cameras, better. Uh, we would be able to actually hire like like not just friends, yeah, but yeah, actually yeah. hire like at least semi-professional actors. Like the cost to... of equipment and your and the access to yeah. equipment has gotten. And we could way do self promotion because they didn't have internet back then. Right. We could do Instagram, Facebook, everything. We self promotion. So would yep. be seeing it. So like if we even if you had ten thousand bucks to just do stuff where it's self-promotion like set aside to just like yeah do facebook um promotion stuff like right oh my god we like it be it's so different so it's interesting to see that also there's like a lot of a lot more forms <clears throat> for distribution self-distribution as well you know right, like, right. like right. you can distribute it and then pump all your money into marketing and then funnel it into those specific forms of distribution you know you might not get a theatrical run but there's an option maybe you got it onto netflix or amazon picked it up or there's lots of right. vod websites out there as well you know yeah. like where you could and they're always film. looking for like new filmmakers and new content which right. is kind of different now um like they're they're always because the, the model of like hbo and the model of netflix is like okay they they don't want to make the same show or the same movie again because they already have that movie so what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep who's already there and to get more people so they say okay we have this show that's going to be basically uh marvel's daredevil it'll it'll appease that crowd so they're they're gonna have that movie um but then what what do we what else do we do so they're, they're they're always looking for like what's that other thing that's out there um, and they they pick it up more often than totally. studios will because it's uh, they're they're not looking to play it safe. They're looking to play it broad. 
Exactly. And like yeah. you look, you think about it too, like if you're a company such as Netflix, Crackle, uh, Voodoo, Hulu, whatever. Crackle. Um, crack. I was just going to say crack. Whatever. Uh, there's also. <laughs> Voodoo is like Walmart now. Also, uh, what's the one? Filmstruck, I think, is one too. Um, but anyway, any of these distribution companies, they look at it like the film's already made. Like we don't have to spend money on making it. We just got to spend a little bit of money on getting it on our service and marketing it through our service. Right. Right. You know, like that's that to them is also a little bit easier and kind of quote, if the, if the film is good and already has like, but that's the thing too, is you're also gambling on the fact that like the film, someone has to believe in the film, whether it's the, the business, the people or the producers at the company who's distributing it or the people at the festival, someone has to believe in it. And then the festival or the, the, the distribute distributors will say, well, there was interest. So let's just put a pump, a little bit more money into it, and we'll put it on our service, and maybe we'll get some more people uh, buying our service. Basically, right. Do, going back to this movie, do you guys know who the kind of the the lead on that was for this movie? Who saw it and was like, "Yeah, this is was, the best film ever made." I was just about to touch on it. Actually, in the next sentence, oh, I have same word. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, Does Byron know? I we do. Make him well, guess. If you oh. can see it on my screen. So. Well, uh, yeah, but I, uh, I already know. I already know. know. Yeah. Yeah. So right, right. Uh, the the people and the company that decided to pick it up is one that you are likely familiar with, uh, New Line Cinema, which produced and distributed such small series as The Lord of the Rings. Um, you know. Yeah. Pretty low you guys, key. You probably haven't heard of it, but look it up. It's actually pretty good. Um, yeah, not a not a popular one, but yeah, go check it out. It's really awesome. Yeah, it it, it, it you know five movies or so. You know, it's pretty pretty. I don't know, tame when it comes They're, to making yeah. an amount of movies. But it was they they thought it would would be good to make a long movie, and everyone was like, "Nah, too long." <laughs> so everyone skipped it. <laughs> everyone <Yeah>. learned a lesson. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. So, yeah. Funny enough, New Line Cinema uh, picked it up. And at the time, actually, they were fairly unknown because clearly they had not, you know, done the Lord of the Rings franchise. So, yeah, uh, well, they, they weren't owned by a major studio. At that right. Point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, but they picked it up and distributed the film. And they managed to distribute it worldwide, which is really big. Yeah, it's um, and the film ended up earning close to two and a half million dollars that's pretty that good on essentially like let's just you know uh for margin of error let's just say four hundred thousand dollars you know um for your budget you know that's a that's two million dollar difference that's yeah. huge huge money it's crazy yeah for yeah. sure um that contrasts pretty well with our second film which is evil dead for some reason they dropped the the um Made in 2013, the film stars Jane Levy, Shiloh Fernandez, Lou Taylor, Pucci, uh, Jessica Lucas, and Elizabeth Blackmore. It was produced by Ramey Campbell, Joseph Drake, Robert Taper, and Nathan Kahane. It was shot by Aaron Morton, edited by Brian Shaw, and music was by Ra Roque Banos. I don't know why I didn't put this in there. It was directed by um, Fede Alvarez. For some reason, I didn't write the writer, so I don't... I don't know, Jacob. If you're want to look up, it's uh, written by oh wow, written by Fed Alvarez and Rodo Sayaguez. Okay, and then directed uh, by Fede Alvarez. Yeah. So yeah, writer director. Okay. And then also there's another writer. Cool. 
Uh, so production design was done by Robert Gillies and costuming was done by Sarah Voon. Uh, clearly, if you've watched the film, you'll notice that, well, actually you wouldn't notice this because it's kind of behind the scenes, but the crew is much larger in this film with each department growing in size compared to the other film. Uh, the budget was roughly $17 million, so there was the ability to hire a lot more people, uh, hire, you know, quote, more talented people, stuff like that. And, you know, each head of department yeah. was able to have their own team, their own separate budget, stuff like that. Yeah. Bigger, more money spent on uh, the, in the art department. <laughs> than, yeah, you know. certainly. certainly. But, yes, very, yeah. Um, see, the difference in budget between this version and the original is completely obvious. With, like you said, a lot, there's a lot more action and a lot more spectacle happening, such as the yeah. raining blood scene at the end, uh, the scene where, you know, he shoots her in the face with the nail gun, uh, the scene where she's floating in the cabin and, and the whipping all the, the wind is whipping around and all stuff like that. Uh, there's just, there were so many more options for what the demons could do, you know, as opposed to the original one where he kind of had one trapped in the cellar, one was just sitting in the hallway, uh, you know, they would kind of pop in from windows. He used, in the original one, he used the camera as a point of view to show the right. monster. Not to, cheap, cheap man's monster. Exactly. Right there. Yeah. Don't need to make exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and... You know, a lot of their budget, too, with the original one was spent on the blood. They basically just drenched the people in blood, which apparently caused all sorts of issues. Uh, the blood that they used was hard to clean off. They had no running water. Uh, it was, <laughs> the actors just got super sticky, and they had to stay in that blood for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Uh, it was just really, like, shooting low budget and trying to get your stuff made like that is... I mean, you got to go through a lot of pain and suffering, oh, yeah. you know, to, to yeah. get stuff done. Uh, whereas, whereas there's like a team of people behind the actors on this film who can apply makeup, but also take makeup off. Um, there's a, there's a team of people who are trying to right. keep the, the production on schedule. Probably trailers with hot showers back in the trailers. Yeah, exactly. Stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. Uh, maybe some gold showers, some golden showers <laughs> here and there. <laughs> no, like showers made of gold. Like, what were you thinking? Like, <laughs> You're um, a lying sack of shit. Elizabeth Blackmore, no. uh, you did not act in t very good today, so the director will take you in the back. And so you get the golden, golden showers. Shower. Yeah. <laughs> God dang. Why is it the director? I feel like it's like the, like the studio comes out and they all do it. Like all, like all the studio heads come out. Like all the middle hey, aged, today. all the middle aged fat guys that uh, the producers go. Yeah, all the all them. the white. 50 year olds are coming out it's better than, the, better than pulling young actress, oh my God. better than doing an ending to Requiem for a Dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> pulling the back around in the last episode yeah. well now I actually heard your Ooh. joke so now I get it uh, have you seen that movie yeah oh see oh, we didn't know we didn't know we couldn't tell if you had seen it or I not I know <laughs> oh man and then I was damn, trying to figure damn. out what are they even talking because you guys were totally saying like oh he hasn't seen it and i was like i haven't seen what like i don't know what joke you're talking about <laughs> jesus well i guess you'll hear it when you listen to the other yeah. episode all right yeah all right. i bet our audience oh had fun with that one. man 
Requiem for a Dream. People who are still listening to our podcast, I applaud you. <laughs> nice work. Speaking <laughs> of Darren Aronofsky, though, that's his one of his earlier films, and it is brutal. So it's, it's take neat. a look. Yeah, take a look. The ending it's is kind wonderful. of like uh, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, but but with a twist. If the meatballs are being stuffed into someone, I, it's like, I yeah. guess. It's like uh, 21 Jump Street or... or um, it's nothing like Lego any movie. of those movies. <laughs> I'm like, I am not seeing any connective tissue to any of those at all. It's, it's like uh, the new Han Solo, you know? You the only it. way that Lego oh, connects right. to that movie yeah. is plug and play. That's about it. Nice. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, where was I at? God damn it. Oh, so uh, the other thing that uh, the this kind of like increased budget, but also kind of like adapting the film for a newer audience and more modern take is that it allowed him to do like an origin story, uh, which kind of had, you know, more money, more effects, more quality, more production added to it. Uh, see, so since this was a remake, it had multiple studios involved for financing and mo- most certainly had a distribution plan, like I said, before it even entered uh, principal photography. So the thing about this movie, too, is that being a remake, it already had a grounding, which makes funding easier to get. That's why you see a lot of remakes. Actually, I just literally saw a commercial for a, a new series based on The Mist. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. So, like, having uh. having a story or a brand or things in the that you can build off that are already established that you can build off of makes a lot of people more a lot of people more comfortable giving money uh so that's why a film like this which already had the evil dead and evil dead 2 before it which were both you know hugely cult popular cult films um and you can easily say maybe even army of dark army of darkness too even yeah yeah uh oh yeah like, yeah for sure like you know, and then having Raimi, who by this point, you know, made a couple of Spider-Man movies. Like Raimi's name by this point, by the time this movie came out in 2013, and being a producer on it, also you know, it gives it it provides a safety net. Yeah, because like Raimi's know. a kind of a household name. Yeah, yeah, especially totally. Especially for Spider-Man, you know. Totally, and people know who Bruce Campbell is. You know, he's yeah. obviously well known oh, for yeah, the Evil Bruce Dead franchise. Sure. So, yeah. so like having these people attached, you know, people feel more comfortable giving money because they feel like they're going to get a return on their money, um, and it's not as high risk. So that's why you see the budget increase for something like this. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. The film made worldwide, the film ended up making about $98 million, uh, you know, give or takes, which is a pretty significant return on investment. Yeah, for, it's pretty good for uh, yeah. a, a, a low-budget horror film, you know. Yeah, fairly. Because even $17 million, like, talking in terms of making a movie, $17 million is a lot of money. But it's also not a lot of money to make a film. Right. Because there's right. a lot of people you have to pay, a lot of things you have to buy, food, housing, stuff like that you have to provide. Um, that's all paid for by the production. So when it all comes down to it, that money goes by really quick. Uh, so $17 million, although it sounds like a lot, you know, just there's – you're, you're running a business when you make a film. And, you're, you know, you have to pay all the things that you're required to pay. Um, you know, I business. bet most of that money was like really like effects. A good chunk of budgets go to effects, especially nowadays. VFX is really expensive. Uh, you usually have to outsource it to a specific uh, production company. That's a production VFX house that specifically does that. Uh, the <clears throat> majority of your budget is always going to be on labor uh, because a lot of like these companies will have. Uh, 
you know, equipment or things that they already have acquired through making films so that, you know, it gets less and less and less uh, money as you go on. You know, you pay for the locations, stuff like that. But labor is always the most expensive cost. Uh, insurance for your labor as well. Just if anyone gets hurt, uh, you, the company and the production, the, the investors all need to be covered, stuff like that. Uh, but then obviously, yeah, like you said, special, especially if your film is really special effects heavy, and it's low budget, then of course a bunch of your money is going to go to the special effects. But you know, like if you look at Avengers, which had I don't remember what we said upwards of two hundred million plus budget, um, you know, huge amount of that. Like you, those big big name actors, some of them require ten to twenty million dollars yeah. for the movie. You know, so yeah, I mean, like right. Downey Jr. alone. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So you're <laughs> yeah. paying. 50 million just to the big actors that's not any of your extras that's not any of your uh, supporting crew that's just the big ones and then you're paying a supporting crew and then you're paying the extras and then you're paying for the costumes and then you have behind the camera exactly and you know that yeah exactly and you know that you know the people who are behind the camera are are getting paid six figures most likely just to to work you know and so and then, like I said, the VFX, VFX specifically, especially nowadays, is so expensive, so expensive. And there's so much of it that you have to have a huge chunk of your budget go to it. I mean, it's right. Kind of, it's and crazy. you don't get good stuff unless you spend a lot of money. Exactly. You know, yeah. like you could you could get cheap VFX, you know, like it, you could do it, but... It looks like cheap VFX. It, yeah, it, you, everyone can smell it. You know, <laughs> everyone knows it when they see it. They're like, they didn't pay a lot of money for that. You right. Know? It's so blatantly obvious. And I should we should clarify too, visual effects refers to things that are C, like essentially CGI, things that are created digitally yes. with a computer. Yeah, post production. Right. Effects. Special yeah. effects is what you do while you're shooting. What happens in the camera? Uh, yeah. Blood. You know, a lot of people, uh, dummies. Uh, both are expensive. Both are very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Generally speaking, the special effects aren't. As, as expensive yeah. you know explosions also anything that happens literally while you're filming fits in the special effect and this that, is like, why aren't real like like actual I mean, things are happening like yeah well like i guess you know explosions are they're real because they're but real. no one's being but exploded. they're not yeah 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 right <laughs> you, you would see special effects at comic-con with everyone's costumes right with exactly props you would not see vfx at comic-con because vfx only exists they, they don't exist in the real world, you know? Exactly. They're not a true yeah. thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and what? Lies. <laughs> what? And this is why people Lies. go back and forth with special <laughs> effects and visual Lies. effects because um, you can always tell when it's a visual effect. You know, unless you're changing landscapes, uh, you know, we kind of touch on this a little bit, and we'll touch on it more yeah. later in a, Which, in a specific episode. Yeah. They did use... VFX in this movie, but it's it's all background. Right, it's exactly. All, it's all like things you're not going to notice. It's not right. like a giant alien comes down as like a CG monster. Exactly. Know? It's all like hidden hidden VFX. And and in this film specifically, they actually tried really hard to to use special effects uh, to, yeah. to to kind of give the film more of a life later on. You know, like when you look back at it. Um, you know, and and this is why a lot of people f- thought it was a big deal when the new Star Wars was trying to focus on special effects. You know, in camera explosions, so much better, right? So because it, better. it not only does it age better, but you can tell. Like humans are really good at it, and like it was only until really, really, really recently <laughs> in like Rogue One, whatnot, 
that they were able to even make humans look semi-natural. Yeah, even though right. you can still kind of you tell. Can tell. Like, yeah, right. you can still tell. Yeah. But have you guys seen the uh, Planet of the Apes movies? Yeah, those are those are. It's so they're impressive. getting way better. Yeah, like yes, honestly, yeah, it's, like it's those are so damn good. They're so underrated. They like, are underrated. Like, I feel oh, like man. people should be flocking to those. I movies, know. Dude. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this next one, for sure. <sighs> but like that's dude, it's the best. But you can tell, like, oh, you seen it? Oh no no no! I, oh, I just uh, I just meant the uh, franchise. Yeah, that's yeah, a, the it's, franchise it's, that they're doing. It's yeah. so it's underrated. like it's like the best one that's out now. It's like the best franchise. But, like, you can tell, like, the difference between... Like, if you were to watch Planet of the Apes, the original one, or even the, the Tim Burton versions, um, and then, like, this one, you could tell, like, the Tim Burton ones, they use costumes as opposed to digital yeah. monkeys, right? Yeah. yeah, you can tell. Right. And, you know, nowadays, like, the VFX is evolving so fast that obviously you can tell they're VFX monkeys, but not... Or chimps and, and gorillas and whatnot, because... Well, one, we understand that they don't, you know, they don't they act like that. They, phys- they cannot get a monkey to right. actually do. Right. They can't get a gorilla to ride on a horse. They can't. Exactly. But <laughs> That's also, the thing that happens. There's something in the re- rendering process where you can tell when something's digital. Like, we just know. Humans are really good at that. So, like. Right. It's, it's for people, it's always really important that things are done in camera because it always ages the film better. You know, like. I, sure. We, we've used this example before, but 2001 you know is i think a great example for that because it was all even the space stuff was which the space stuff didn't age well but it was all in camera he attempted to do everything he could in camera um one one thing just just to add on to because we've had this conversation before but to add on to it i think uh at least in my opinion part of why uh planet of the apes holds up for me is because the cg is used uh in a different sort of way like it's not it's not used as like an actiony type thing which i mean it is in the movie of course but like they use cg in like really slow scenes like really subtle like nuanced character bits and like when you when you like look at um um uh not C- is it caesar is that the main character yeah yeah, yeah caesar yeah, yeah caesar yeah uh when you like look at his eyes you can like see the emotion you know and capturing that i mean using motion capture sure but like they do go up through and animate and touch it up and do whatever uh but i mean i don't know i i feel like those movies you get so i get so distracted by the emotion of what the apes are feeling uh that i i I get i kind of get lost in the cg when i watch those even even if it is uh you know sometimes it's occasionally flashy and you can kind of tell but like having the those emotional scenes scenes for me totally just suck me in every time that's, and it i feel like that might be true later i feel like that's i mean who who knows but uh, that's that's my guess i guess i, I think i'm always going to feel that when i watch that yeah, those movies that's what's uh like so impressive to me about the planet those the new planet of the apes movies because like you said you're watching it like when i first start watching the movie it's like oh yeah you know it's cgi the cgi is really good but then by the end yeah. of the movie i'm not seeing cgi characters i'm like in i'm just like watching it because like i'm invested in the characters like right the, like i was surprised on how like how lifelike they were not just because of what they looked like but just like how they like quote acted you know what i yeah. mean like like and, and how they like felt yeah like how like you could 
relate to them. You know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's, he, like, understood their struggle. Like, yeah. That, oh, yeah, they captured they, that. He, he captured that really well, yeah. Yes. Fucking amazing. But, like, um, I mean, I guess... I don't know. Never mind. I, I lost <laughs> it. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, I think, in general, as a blanket statement, CG, like, crazy CG, not doesn't really hold up. But I think there's some rare... There's there are movies out there that really push it in interesting ways that I think they might hold up in the future. They might. Yeah. Well, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but like. But also with CG, the thing about CG is that you can always go back and add or touch up things too. True. You know what I mean? <laughs> but can uh, all filmmakers just don't, just <laughs> don't, Lucas? <laughs> I didn't name anyone specifically, but George I, Lucas. Don't. I do not understand why. Ah, uh, dude. I just, I want the original. I don't care. I, I want know. the original. Me too. I, I, and he did the same thing. Come on, Disney. Before. He did the same thing for, what, THX 118 or whatever the movie 1138 or something, Like, yeah. seriously, uh, like, I, I bought gross. the Blu-ray and I didn't realize that he had retouched it. And I'm, like, watching it and there's, like, like shitty early 2000s like computer graphics to it and i'm like what it like oddly like it feels like a just a fucked up movie yeah i was like what the hell yeah it like redates itself it looks like it looks like one of those like you know mid 2000s sci-fi movies like on the on the sci-fi channel you know that's what it reminded (laughs) me of i was like if we can find some original it'd be interesting to do an episode on star wars like yeah but they don't exist dude I know if you could find I have, it. I have the uh, second and third ones, but they're they were taped on VHS cause when they were on TV. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think even those are actually the originals. Like I, I, I think the the original one was never put on anything. It oh, was wow. shown in theaters and then they changed it after that. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of fucking. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars sucks. Uh, That's what uh, I meant to say. (laughs) So pulling us back around to Evil Dead. Pulling us back around to Evil Dead. Fuck Star Wars. Um, Let's see. Uh, So this film, (laughs) the Evil Dead, the new one, uh, did something that was pretty unconventional, which was it was shot mostly chronologically. And we kind of touched on this before, uh, chronologically shooting a film is pretty uncommon generally because uh you're trying to maximize your your you're, you're basically trying to be the most efficient you can with your with your time and with your money and shooting chronologically generally is not the case cuz you're you know you you and it also depends too if you have like uh bigger actors stuff like that um you're you know sometimes you only have an actor for so long so if they're in a scene that's later on in a movie you got to shoot it at the time right you can't just wait until you're ready to shoot that scene because your actor might not be available stuff like that right um so you know it it, it can add to cost uh the schedules and then obviously locations as well too like sometimes you only have a location for so long and the second that you get access to the location you got to shoot it and that's that's just the options um yeah that's the worst Seriously, like paying for a for a location and you only having so much time. So much time. That happened yeah. to yeah. my brother and I when we went to Morocco, dude. Too much pressure. I am not like I, I I learned a lot 
about myself when it comes to like you networking. went to morocco yeah to dude. film shit yeah dude it's what i'll have to tell you when did you do that the last july i did i'll have to oh my god i'll have to tell you some of the crazy shit that yeah you gotta tell me about it yeah but dude like honestly <clears throat> i i cannot work under those circumstances like like well i mean okay <laughs> i can't it's just there's it was it was so <laughs> tough like i honestly like the pressure but then there was all these other things that were happening during the shoot that yeah that you caused yeah. the, the 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 tension to be even worse than what it was but like yeah uh, that's yeah like, i'm excited uh, dude, I'm, I'm gonna hear all about it's, yeah it's crazy <laughs> crazy shit but like um, it's interesting to talk about you know chronologic shooting in chronological order in regards to budget because like to me on a creative level like i love to shoot chronological order like i have never been able to completely do a short film in chronological order uh just because of like you said efficiency wise it's not necessarily what how you can do it but like the way my brain goes when it comes to like working on a screenplay and stuff like that normally i come up with like some images first and i'll have those in the back of my head but i'll write the film chronologically and it makes sense to me if you're working with like a character you want the character to evolve throughout the film so it'd be hard to like do a film and then like start where on this like super dramatic scene towards the end of the movie when the actress or actor hasn't completely gotten there emotionally yet Mm because you haven't started you haven't done the whole journey yet so it's kind of cool that you have a low budget movie even doing that because like even on low budget movies it's like well we only have x amount of money like you're going to have to shoot it this way instead of like I don't know. Like, I bet the set out of the seventeen million dollars, they probably could have done like at least a twelve million dollar movie and shot it in non chronological yeah. order and saved some right. money. So it's kind of cool that they they did it in chronological order. Well, I mean, the benefit. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, especially for the story. Like, you, whoever the writer, uh, Roto Saegas. If I don't know if he was like on set for that, but like being able to like wrap everything up. Uh, that would be hard to, to be able to like, Hey, we got to be flexible with how we wrap this up. You know, like, yeah. how do you even do that? Like you have to like build the screenplay to be able to function. If you cut, you know, like, Oh, we're on page 70 and we're out of money. We're done. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like we got to shoot the closing scene now. You know, that's crazy. I know uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, he shoots his films in chronological order and, you know, who, his... who is that? <laughs> every time. And who like, is that? And like, oh, you guys bring it up every... Like, this is like the angel. This well, is like, oh, brown it up. Because oh, his style up. works. He's such a good I'm Because like, The Neon Demon was made for $6 million, $11 million less than this movie, and this and it was made, you know, six years later or whatever. Um, sure. Um, and granted, there's not nearly as many VFX in The Neon Demon, but there is, you know, some visual effects, but... Compared to uh, compared to Evil Dead, it's not you know not that many, but uh, he shot it all in chron- chronological order as well. I think he shot that one entirely. Basically, yeah. <clears throat> there's the difference that it allows for is that if you shoot non chronologically, then your script has to be tight. Like there are there is room for reshoots, and it all reshoots are going to happen, especially in big budget stuff. They're going to happen, but you have to have a script that from beginning to end is tight. If you shoot chronologically 
and this is why I use the example of the Neon Demon too, is that with the Neon Demon, they had like an idea for an ending, but there was nothing concrete when they were writing the script. But when you shoot chronologically, you're kind of able to discover the ending as you go. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can get partway through the movie and then realize that the direction you initially had isn't going to work. So you can change the ending because you still haven't shot the ending yet. Yeah. You know, whereas like if you shoot non chronological, like the, the example, a good example to use for the reverse of that is in the dark Knight. The very first scene that they shot in the dark Knight was the interrogation between Batman and the Joker. You know, that's pretty like late into yeah. the movie and a pretty dramatic scene between the two main characters yeah, and having that already shot means you just you know unless you spend a bunch of money, which producers are not want to do, you're you're not going to reshoot it. It's yeah. just going to be what you got, and you have to you, build you your could, film towards that. Right. If you have like no money, then you can't reshoot it. But if you have if you have Dark Knight level money, man, like I feel like they could go back and and reshoot well, I'm saying they, they wanted can, to. I'm saying they can, but yeah, oh, it's oh. it's not. They generally don't want to because it costs a lot of money. Oh I'm yeah. Saying. So like, if that's, you shoot something where... later, then generally speaking, the writer and all the producers have said this is good to go. So let's shoot it because we're not going to go back and shoot it. You know, what right? I mean? Like, yeah. I think I think Nolan, um, he's kind of notorious for being incredibly under budget when he comes back. Like, but he always gets, like, an ass load of money, but then it's, like, he returns, like, so much of it afterwards. Like, him, him and his team, whoever, I forgot what his producing partner's name was, but I think it's, like, his wife. Also, his brother helps with the writing and stuff, too. Yeah, so and, and as a producer, too. But, yeah, on a, on a producer level, money, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure Jonathan Nolan works as a producer as well. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they definitely have, like, a team, and I've heard that, too, where he... And apparently well, Michael Bay is the same way, where he can get his films in yeah. generally under budget, which is interesting. I, th- I think right, that's kind of crazy. I think Sam Raimi, because I mean he does directing, but he does a lot of producing too. Oh yeah, yeah. Emma like, Thomas. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, Emma okay. Thomas. Yeah, but so like, Raimi does Sam Raimi. Producing. I mean, he's produced so much stuff, stuff that you wouldn't even think that like his name would be really affiliated to, because he's right. so known for. Like you said, you know, the Evil Dead stuff and then, you know, Spider-Man and stuff. But he, his name has been attached to all sorts of stuff. And same with Ted Raimi. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's it, it, it's cool. And it's cool that, you know, you got you have – and this is kind of unique when where there is a film that's kind of like a remake, but it's produced by the guy who did the original but not yeah. directed. So, like, you know right. – it hasn't happened too often, but like it, it happened is happening with Blade Runner, where Ridley Scott, yeah. you know, step, isn't doing the directing, but had directed yeah. the original, but is producing the new one. Granted, this isn't a remake; it's a, it's a, it's an, it's the second part to Blade Runner. Whereas, right, it's, so it's, it's very seldom that we get a, yeah, a, a, the director of the original produce a remake, you know, and not directed right. again. Like that's kind of. Especially since it's like these are like the babies of these producers that are producing these remakes. Yeah, like, exactly. Like the uh, Evil Dead was like Sam Raimi's baby, you know. So put him on the map. Yeah. So yeah, put him on the map, and yeah, this it's just crazy that they're. I mean, it's not crazy, but it's seems odd that they'd allow that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, they would be down with that. From what I read or listened to, like. It, 
it sounded like their vision of the new, re, you know, of this remake of, of, of Evil Dead, um, that Sam Raimi was so, like, kind of like, fuck yeah, like, that sounds dope. I like what you did with my idea yeah, that right. he, my stuff yeah. yeah that he's like fuck I, I i like your vision of my vision <laughs> so much that i'm gonna help produce it and yep. yeah we're gonna make it. yeah and the only thing yeah. that I, the, the other thing that uh ironically there's a connection a little bit is, is you know the fargo tv show uh same thing yeah. happened you know that yes uh, noah uh noah it's not Bombach, is it? No, Fo- Fossil, not Fossil. No, it's something. Anyway, I forget the guy's name. Who, who's the creator of Fargo, the, the TV show? Uh, you know, loved the Coen Brothers, loved Fargo. Went to the Coen Noah Coen, Holly. Holly, that's it. Uh, went up to the Coen Brothers and said, "Hey, like, I have an idea for you know Fargo TV show, and, and not only does it is it an homage to Fargo, your movie, but it's an homage to." all of your films uh in the far and the comforters were like wow like not only is it cool that like you have our stuff in it but like it's completely original too like uh mm-hmm. and really smart and engaging so yeah we'll we'll help we'll help it you know we'll help make you make it'll help you make it you know and they don't really have too much to do with the show but they have their name attached so yeah right Which- but. You know, like we kind of touched on that a little bit. I think in past episodes too, where they won't do much, but they'll attach their names, which gives credit to the show. Right, right, right. You know, they could also do they do they not write for the show at all? They don't. No, I, I, because it, it's funny because it even says like I think it's I think they're producers, executive producers on the show, but there was yeah. an interview. But that's that, like that's like a writer for the show. Yeah, because like executive producer. Yeah, because like I should uh, the uh, I there was some interview and Joel and Ethan were basically just saying like. Yeah, they, they have they have no idea what <sighs> is being done in the show. Like they don't know what the next season is going to be like. They don't know nothing. Like right. they're, it's literally just like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, they're just big fans of Noah and 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 kind of just let him do his own thing. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Super cool. But it is funny because like the Coen brothers, you know, helped you know with help Sam Raimi and they're 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 like really good buddies, the Raimis and the Coens. Um, yeah, starting yeah. on the Evil yeah. Dead. It's funny because, like, how even that works. you know, you look at raising Arizona, and there's that shot that goes up the ladder. Um, this like the the camera, the POV um, shot of the going up the ladder and into the like the second or third floor of that house, um, and that that's the same type of shot as the you know when the vines are going, and um, I guess they put like a camera on a four by four, and then they uh, <laughs> they just threw they, it up there. <laughs> well, they well they, I guess like the in, in Evil Dead like or the Evil Dead they put like the camera attached it to the two by four or four by four and then like Sam Raimi was on one end and then the yeah, camera yeah. operator on the other end and they just like ran, ran with yep. it and they did similar stuff in Blood Simple and uh, Raising uh, Arizona it was kind of like a homage to their buddies films you know yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah, yeah they yeah ripping it from each other yeah <laughs> yeah so what Byron's talking about is all the scenes where it's supposed to be the perspective of the demons or whatever in the woods that's how they got it was they were just running with a camera attached to a fucking yeah, two yeah. by four in the woods, yeah. Super and then how, how they did the last shot, the very last shot of the movie, where the camera rolls through the cabin and right into Bruce's face, was done on a bike which they rode. Oh wow! The camera was attached to the front of a bike, <laughs> and then I think it was like Ramy or the opera one. I think it was Ramy who rode the bike down pretty fast through the whole cabin, and then basically in the Bruce Campbell and I think they had to do it a couple of times and I think he actually hit 
Campbell. Because yeah, like the like he like lost times. some teeth or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, funny. Super brutal. Uh, this the crazy things they did for that movie. Like, you know, to get to get around the constraints of their budget. You know, most of the film was handheld. You know, they didn't waste time setting up right. tripods. They didn't have the money to get, you know, this, the steady cam wasn't widely available at the time. Right. Uh, so basically your option was handheld. And, you know, they didn't have room for Dolly. They didn't have money for Dolly. So, right. You know. But minimal lighting. I mean, yeah, it's but, crazy because, like, 19, it's like it was shot in, like, between 79 and 80. Yeah. It, it wasn't released to, like, 82, 81. Right. But, like, right. the... The Shining came out in 1980, yep. and that was like the, the first movie with the big Steadicam yep. stuff, right? So it's impressive what they did without oh, anything absolutely. like that. They made know? their right. own quote Steadicam yeah. essentially, yeah. Because um, I heard that yeah, too, where cool. they used kind of like a, a a board to kind of create it because the idea of the Steadicam was around, so they knew about it, right? And they used like a board, a camera attached to a board, and then like a board counterweight to kind of yeah quote created because they had used know. some of that technology too in like the in alien the original alien which was 79 oh so okay like it yeah it's, just, it's interesting to see it done on such a low budget level mm-hmm. like you know the vision was there but they didn't let their budget completely take their idea away which is cool you know that's the important thing to understand like you know good art creativity comes from overcoming limitation yeah you know and filmmaking sure. the big limitation is budget so how do you creatively overcome your budget constraints you know right. so having a low budget is not necessarily a bad thing because like we said just a little bit ago like you know some of the better films to come out are ones that had really low budgets i mean like know? i didn't i don't know if jacob is wanting me to say this but like He's told. He's, <laughs> Shut the fuck up. He's, he's told. You He's told me that like he has had to sell his body, you know, to get money um, for uh, yeah for his films. I'm mad. And he's, like, only, he's a high budget guy. <laughs> so it's like you know the yeah. sacrifices that you have to make, but even then, like <laughs> like the constraints, like he really he really tried yeah. he really tried well, to like refrain from giving. Yeah. his body away as much as he wanted to so like there were things that he couldn't afford so he had right. to go and do other things yeah. no there there were theoretical <laughs> constraints and also literal constraints <laughs> for some of my clients oh, Jesus <laughs> for this movie that i made oh, <laughs> okay children settle down <laughs> uh, oh, immaturity yeah. is the base of creativity <laughs> Uh, no, but what you said about lighting, though, you said <laughs> <laughs> you said the lighting was sparse. Uh, yes, but it's, uh, if it seems okay, but, but uh, let me clarify. It seems like it's um, like they didn't spend a lot of time doing the light. There, I, I just agree. That there, there is lighting in there, but it it's not the best. I actually disagree and think that like for its budget, the lighting was really good. And well, well, yeah, for its budget, but it's not very. I good. think the lighting was actually really good for this movie. Um, but I also like that style of like hard light. Uh, but I, the thing that they did too is that they used the lighting to like hide like. By focusing the lighting on the characters, 
you can hide your set and constrain and and work within your budget constraints because you don't have to decorate the set right you're not wasting time you you leave the set how it is and then you focus on the actors and you focus the lighting there and i'm sure that the lighting that they had was limited the amount of lights and stuff and the amount of electricity because like i said they had to wire the the cabin to actually even get electricity there um, but i actually i actually liked yeah, the lighting a lot yeah that's um, pretty interesting i liked the lighting a lot and thought it it was really good uh maybe i gotta rewatch it and maybe i'll have a different opinion but i thought right. it was good it definitely uh, has it that 80s yeah feel though that 80s like i don't know how to describe it there's it's like a very particular low budget 80s look that it but has. it was pretty traditional looking right, right yeah right with the with the hard backlighting uh you know it wasn't three point necessarily right. but it was pretty close and, and like like blood simple is similar in the sense of that type of lighting is kind of uh it's kind of fuzzy that might not be the yeah. right correct term uh but but uh, but are I you, guess are you an LSD? <laughs> to be honest, these <laughs> lights are fuzzy. MDMA, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the uh, but like Blood Simple is a little different because it was like a Western war, so it it, it yeah. has a different style to it at the same time. But it has that. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Never mind. I'll I'll shut up. Well, the, the... <laughs> it has like that like quick cheap feel to it to me. Like it. It like the whole movie has that feel, and like the lighting is fine, but like it it, it seems like hey, we're making a movie, we're we're doing this, we're, then we're getting out, you know. That's that to me like some of the, not that the lighting is horrible, it just like it like like the whole mo- movie as a whole, it all seemed like they just kind of sped not sped through it, but yeah, well, kind of sped through it. it. Like they were like, let's get her done because it's know? like it's definitely movie lighting, but it's it's not it's not like supernatural and it's not super high budget so you know what i mean like it's like that in between where it's like yeah you honestly can't at least for me you i couldn't honestly like view it as like this uh, i don't know where it's like it's almost like if you guys if we like made a short film we'd be able to actually disguise our lighting because we could make it kind of a natural lighting and it wouldn't look so obviously lit but right. but also we could do a very stylized lit thing, but it would look like our budget, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's so weird no, because yeah, that's like that's totally it. I thought the exact opposite. I thought the oh, lighting so was funny. pretty stellar. Oh wow! I really liked it a lot, and I actually thought compared to a lot of other things, it was their lighting that raised their quality of the film. Oh wow, that's so cool. Oh, it's, it's interesting that like um, you viewed it that way. That's cool. I mean, it, yeah. I, 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 but I, like I said, I like that style of yeah. lighting too. I really like when it's really harsh. I like really harsh backlight when people are really lit. But I also like fast fall off like hard lighting where it's lit from right. like generally one area and you get the where shadows it's like peaking. yeah yeah um, see i like it so... when robert richardson does it yeah <laughs> for yeah. sure yeah. let's do he robert a wizard Rick. man i want to see him light the next evil dead movie that'd be <laughs> wonderful yeah um, but, but there's a couple of things i want to cover in this episode specifically which is kind of like ideas and you know maybe advice um as to what you could do to up the quality of your film while working under a constrained budget. Um, and that's one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about too, was like light your film. Well, uh, you know, spend time and effort learning about lighting. If you're a new filmmaker, if you're a director, 
Um, don't rely just on your camera person to do the lighting. Understand lighting. Understand what you're doing, why it works. Uh, understand, you know, the, you don't have to understand all the specific technical things, but understand what you're doing when you're choosing how to light a scene a certain way. And also, right. like, be afraid to, like, do something new and creative with it. Yeah, yeah. don't like, be afraid, like, yeah. Like, of course, it's always good to master, like, the foundations, because if you master the foundation or the fundamental lighting setups, then you can mess around with it, um, depending on mood and scene and, scene and location and everything. Um, but also, like, just, you know, play around because... Yeah. Right. I think that's that's going to give you because you know what your vision is and if you know right. what I mean. So um, I think when someone is like, I want this uh, scene in my film to look just like it did in in the Exorcist, you know, but then it might not be really what's the best lighting for right. your scene because right. exactly. right. not only because you may know how to light that you, you and you could do like the perfect imitation, but if it doesn't fit your movie, then it's then you're not doing yourself any any, right. any favors exactly <laughs> but, but i'll but i'll just play devil's advocate here if if you're like i have no dollars and uh you know you don't you don't need lights to make a movie like you don't you don't need it you know you can use windows you can use like outdoors with like a reflector or, or a flag or fuck it like you, you don't you don't necessarily need uh lighting to make a movie but well, what you, you, what you limits, just like what type of movie you can make you know but well, uh, what you just said is a form of lighting yeah though. with like, reflectors and... with reflectors and with the window and oh, sunlight sure. and stuff like that sure. what, you have to yeah what you're saying... you don't, you don't need to go out and buy lights or anything just yeah you can use window like i think chris nolan's uh the following i don't think they used a single light in that movie except for like the sun and uh just whatever was in the house like i don't think they which makes sense brought yeah. in anything yeah which the movie tangerine oh yeah proved that you don't like they didn't light that at all they just used all the natural light they used whatever lights were in uh the locations they were at at the time a lot of sunlight they were shot by windows exactly what you're saying yeah and you're right, you're totally right where like you don't need to go buy lights and also you know to play devil devil's advocate to that lights are really cheap now too so you right. can pick up lights for a kit for less yeah, 100 like or less yeah um you know so but yeah. if you're trying to like in in the evil dead's case they were trying to increase the the quality and the production quality of their film so they lit it and in that sense you know light your film and if, but I'll just real quick before before yeah, you yeah, share yeah. your point, lighting also creates the look that you're going for because you're shaping and painting with light. So like, if you're trying to go for a horror movie, you don't want it to be high key, no contrast, everything is bright necessarily because that feeling that you get from looking at an image like that is not a scary feeling; it's a happier feeling. So in that right. sense, you do need to pay attention to lighting because in horror, you do want shadows, you want darkness, you want things to pop out. So like. Yes, you don't need to light your film, but light your film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I guess for the filmmakers out there that are, like, wanting to make a short film, but, like, maybe they do have, like, a lighting kit or two, um, but maybe really just don't want to be, you like, use those or whatever. Like, there are films, like, like you said, like Tangerine, and then another really good example is American Honey. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but uh, it came out last year really good film it's on my list dude the, the cinematography of that movie is insane like i think um keith i think you'd really like the yeah. cinematography it's it's so 
well done and it's so natural but it's still so but there's still a a, a, a very particular eye behind the camera uh and it's stylized but it's all natural like i i honestly don't know how to explain it dude but it's really good and i think like mm. i think like like you guys said too is like lighting it's not just about like a light light light, light setups that you would set up like it's about understanding what type of camera you have understanding what type of lens you have it's understanding the light that maybe you're shooting a documentary and you're yeah. shooting um you know in a dance club right and, yeah. and you have to like mess right. with the crazy strobing lights that are there and then you then you're going to walk out and then you're you know be shooting in an in and out burger the next and dealing with the fluorescence like it's it's all about that sort of thing but it's not like you have to know like oh i have to do this when i'm in a fluorescent you know lit right. scene or whatever it's it's just yeah. about it's about knowing it's about knowing the basics of just like light in general but also just like knowing the mood and the feel of your movie um and if you know that then your film is automatically going to look more professional because yes. if you're just walking in with a camcorder and you don't care about that sort of thing it's gonna look like crap because you're not taking in anything into account you know right. <laughs> like yeah. um, so you have yeah just yeah I get. I mean, I guess that's kind of an obvious thing to say, but like, I know that when I first started, like, I had a vision, right? But I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to actually make particular looks. I didn't know exactly how to, to you know, to make it look the way I had it in my head because mm -hmm. I didn't really understand exactly what I had to do to make that. Yeah. Um, well, because lighting affects so much. It affects the color tones of the people you're working with. It affects the colors that you use. You know, if you use black and white, it affects the shadows, the contrast, like, you know, the temperatures of light. It just, you, you got to know, you know, if you're not going to light, then understand why you're not lighting yeah. and understand that your film is going to yeah. look a certain way. But also, if you're not going to light, you better know how to color grade at the end of that because... <laughs> You know, you can light a scene, but, but yeah. color grading is color a pretty grading huge portion of it. Right, but that's if if your lighting is off, you can't color clearly. Color grade can't save you. But, clearly, uh, so keep that in mind. But also, um, don't, don't let the lighting hinder you. Right. You know, so like if you're telling your story and you're like, "Oh, I don't have lights," like fuck it, just go do it anyways. Just fuck it, just go do it. Or if you have one light, just just fucking dick around with it. Yeah, just yeah, make you know? it work. Right. Yeah. You can do make lots of crazy things. You can do crazy things with just a mirror. Yeah. Use the with sun a mirror, and a mirror, you know? With a fucking white blanket. Yep. Or like a white sheet. Yep. Like you can you can make uh, the inside of a house that is totally blown out and looks disgusting uh, look amazing with by just getting some tacks and hanging up a white sheet over the windows yep. to or, diffuse it. Or black sheet, even just to, or to, black sheet, to prevent bounce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's definitely or options. Brown sheets. The, the, all I'm saying is think about what you're doing. Cause brown sheets. That's the only color sheets in uh, Ryan's uh, house. Brown and yellow. Maybe yeah. some red. And it's, it's not mine, too. So, no, no, yes. No, I won't get into Yes. That. But yeah, basically, you're, you, you're creating it's an image. Gimps. It's the game. It's like photography. You're creating an image, so pay attention to your lighting. Basically, you know that that's that's your tool. Your tool you have is your camera, and the camera utilizes lights. 
and that's your tool uh, to create your image. So yeah, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, you can't just have lights without <laughs> a camera. <laughs> you that, can't. Wouldn't that be awesome if you're just like sitting on set with like all these lights and you're just like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like, <laughs> just no we're making a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Client's gonna love this. That's what it becomes like. What uh, installation art yeah, or whatever, yeah, basically. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you, right. So yeah, I guess uh, that could that could be a stage play. So yeah, there I guess you, you don't need it. Waiting for stage. the audience to show up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like all theater. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not true. So Theater's I, fucking booming. I have a small list of stuff here just to kind of cover that fits in with the lighting uh, that it. the Evil Dead does. Like, you know, if you're going to learn things when you watch films, which you should generally well, probably learn wait, something. Hang on, hang on a sec. Did, did you conduct a list for all the genius things that this movie did with lighting and... Um, and Byron and I just like kind of not ripped on this movie for lighting, but did you have like a whole thing planned and we kind of buried it? No. <laughs> He's like, I know you guys. You guys are assholes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just asking. No, my list has things other than lighting on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the other things that this film does that really sets it apart and gives it a quality that's still low budget, but still like a fun film and a good film. Uh, one of the things they did. Uh, Basically, it's kind of out of order, but so they they had good props. Um, you know, the they kind of utilized what they had and used and you know there was smoke, a lot of smoke, yeah. which was good. Yeah. It helped hide things, helped give an illusion to things. That was actually really impressive. Um, yeah, like, I thought the smoke was really yeah. impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the things that the 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 units of the things that they broke when he's fighting the demons, fire the book. Uh, the vines that were wrapped around her, uh, that whole scene was like, I don't, I, I still, I wrote down here, I was like, how did they do that? Did they yeah, just they, reverse it, basically? Like, I don't understand, you know, like, like little things like that were the props, if you have some good props, they can show a quality, even if they're really cheaply made. Um, right. Right. And it just, it just helps, you know, because what a lot of people want to do when they're making a film is boost the quality and, you know, and the just... Any little way you can do it. Right. Um, yeah, and honestly, like, props to them for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The, the dad puns. The dad yes. Puns. <clears throat> well, we touched on this a little bit with lighting, um, but if you use lots of shadows, you can hide a set. Uh, you know, you can, you can, you can kind of trick camera angles. You can cheat things. Um, you can use less time on trying to decorate a set. Uh, if you use the shadows to hide the set uh, you can also fake like the size of the set like with this film specifically I was really impressed by how much how small the set was like in terms of it's a one room it's a cabin but how big it was like there was the whole downstairs area there was multiple uh, rooms in the downstairs area there's multiple rooms in the cabin uh, there was just a lot of it was big it felt big the yeah, it set, felt big. set felt yeah, big no, I was impressed by that too that was definitely something that I took away I was like wow like mm-hmm. obviously it was a small set small location but it didn't seem that small right. like it seemed big and learn how to cheat so like in this film the cabin itself did not have a cellar uh, everything you see with the trap door they dug a hole they put a trap door there the person in the hole in the cellar was basically sitting in the hole when they filmed it Wow, uh, really? Yeah. Oh my god, I did not know that. All that's the stuff awesome. in the cellar was a different location. Uh, and uh... you just learn how to cheat it. And that's why you can kind of, uh, the way they shoot kind of looking down in the cellar and looking up, um, 
and the way they kind of fudge the you don't really ever see right you don't see the camera go from the cellar and up and you don't ever really see the cabin really well when you're in the cellar uh because it's just it's two completely different places um so learn how to cheat learn how to how to do that a lot of lot of films will have an exterior shot and they'll do an interior and the interior will be in a studio a thousand miles away so just understanding how to work yeah, like with they those two things. How to, how to connect <laughs> Yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes there's m- movies where they're, they'll like have, there'll be a conversation between two actors and those will be in two different locations. Oh yeah, totally. Right, locations. Right. Shot like, reverse shot. And it's yeah. like, shot reverse shot and it's like the, an entirely, it's crazy. Yep. It's totally crazy. Yep. I guess that's not really surprising, like, you know, like telephone scene. Mm-hmm. They, they do that, but that's like less obvious, but they can really, or that's really obvious, I guess, but they can also do that with fucking anything. I mean, yep. they did, didn't, didn't they do something like that with, uh, uh, God damn it. What's that TV show on Netflix? Uh, Arrested Development, the newest season of that. Oh yeah. They, they just kind shooting... of shot around everybody's schedules yep. and like did. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, that's, like, that's why the season's so disconnected in terms of its story because they no one could their schedules never lined up so they couldn't get everyone together so the story right. was written so that di- certain characters would touch other characters' storylines as they went you know right type of thing um, but I don't know I thought that was super impressive that he was able to write it like that honestly yeah, yeah that's pretty cool um, but yeah so you know learn how to cheat stuff like that um, yeah and Oh my god! Cheating in film is not about bad. The, do you know about the cheat? Uh, I think it's Mission Impossible four or th- three. Mission Impossible three. I don't know. Uh, no. uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm totally being. <laughs> do you know about the cheat on Mission Impossible three? Um, no, it's the the scene where uh, Tom Cruise is like getting tortured by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he's like shoving a thing up his nose, like a gun. I don't know if I've even seen number I mean, I've three. I've seen honestly. that film, but yeah, no, uh, it's, oh, okay. been, it's been a while. Okay, but, but and, and, and in this scene, they had a Philip Seymour Hoffman, Hoffman is torching him, and the and he leaves, and this other uh, dark skinned guy comes up to like shove like this. I think it was like a gun, or it could have been some needle of some some kind, like up uh, Tom Cruise's nose. And J.J. Uh, Abrams um, was sitting there on set and. Tom was uh, complaining because the this uh, poor like uh, d- uh, just day player was uh, shoving the gun up his up his nose too hard, and Tom was like, "Ow! Like you're you're hurting me!" And uh, so they ended up like sitting down, like, "Okay, how do we do this? How do, like Tom doesn't like this day player, <laughs> like because the day player is physically hurting." Him. And so J.J. Uh, <laughs> Abrams was like, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do, Tom." Bring, you're, we're going to bring you over to makeup, and we're going to paint your hand to the same color to look like the, the color of this day player, who's who's darker skin. So they painted Tom's hand, and then Tom hold the held the gun and and pushed it up at his nose with like the right amount of pressure. That's hilarious. And uh, in order to to make it work, that's black so it, hand. I know, <laughs> Tom. I know. Isn't that bad? That's bad. Take it fucking, away. Work from fucking Tom Cruise. <laughs> Uh, taking away work from I mean the day player still you know played the day or whatever yeah. but uh just thinking of stuff like that like or how Dario Gento puts his hands in yeah his films. Mel Gibson too yeah. yeah yeah like yeah that's that's cool but like it, coming up with that style is great on your own but even just like on the day like a f- you 
have to like get creative with like how to solve problems weird issues like that otherwise tom cruise is leaving set because he gets upset because his nose hurts and (laughs) someone's and that's going to take like 15 minutes to you know your producer will try and go get him out of the trailer you know that'll take time and that'll eat your day up but if you can just solve it right there move on to the next thing you have a happier actor and a better like set that you can run and you get more shit done exactly so yeah think yeah think about that shit get creative for sure also in that line um in terms of being creative you can always like instead of showing something imply it you know this film did a lot uh you know i wrote down here that with horror specifically uh it could be done in other genres too if it fits uh but you can use cheap markers like smoke to signify an approaching monster instead of showing the monster you know what i mean like anytime smoke popped up in this movie you kind of knew that's that there was some force out there right (laughs) so imply the horror uh you know a lot of times with horror specifically it's it's our imagination and what we uh, what we can't see that scares us more than what we can see anticipation yeah exactly so so true imply it um that helps save your save time save money because you're not showing anything um the other thing too is you can use camera gimmicks you know just little things like I, it's been a while since i've seen this film so I, I, I can't remember specifically the example i had when i wrote this down but you know there's there's little things you can do camera wise um to up the quality you know even like subtle camera movement like shakes yeah. and shakes just like jolts and stuff mm-hmm. like that i mean super simple but riding definitely. a bike with a camera yeah yeah some stupid <laughs> yeah. shit you know like there's little camera things you know you can always use like a wide lens to kind of distort things and make it a little freakier like you know use utilize reverse uh reversing the shot you know film it right happening and then reverse it in post so that it show looks like it's happening and yeah. like you know utilize your camera gimmicks uh, i also wrote down if you're gonna have sort of comedy or anything you know for specifically for comedy if you're gonna have comedic elements in a horror film you know make focus on writing good lines and having strong characters i think in this film you know it was campy and some of the lines were campy but i think some of the some of the things you said towards the end just kind of worked you know and 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 right. ash is a strong character that you're rooting for you know so like you know, if you're gonna have a low budget, then have a higher quality somewhere else. And writing is where you can control almost everything. It's you. It's just you on a piece of paper. So write a character that's compelling. Yeah. What, what... Do, you, do you guys think it was this movie was campy when it came out, or do you think we look at it now as campy? Yes. I, I think it, I think it kind of <laughs> I think it, it kind of was because I, I was just gonna say uh, that I feel what was kind of cool about. Uh, the Evil Dead and then the second one Evil Dead 2 and the Army of Darkness is that it seemed like Sam Raimi kind of created his own little alternate world with it yeah like yes so like the campiness kind of I think for me was like a part of it like you know what I mean like I, I I'm not I, saying the camp was bad but no 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 right? I didn't take it like that you did at all yeah um I, the I camp just, is bad I just think that like <laughs> yeah I just think that like I think that it was a part of it as part of his thing that's part of part of the style yeah yeah it's and I, I think if franchise. anything I think it would have been weird if it didn't have it and I think honestly I mean camp is like it's so I mean I would even call Avengers campy in in its own way and oh. like. 
all Marvel movies are. Yeah, campy. Dario yeah. Gento films totally campy, and he has decent budgets for his movies. So like, it camp is such a weird thing because it's so wide reaching. And to answer your question, I think yes. Like when it came out, I think it was campy because camp existed before this. The idea of camp. Um, it was the the definition and the films that were attached to it were more like low budget, usually like had gay themes um, and, you know, were just basically people with cameras and that was it. Uh, so, you know, I think it was campy. And I think today, by today's standard, it's certainly campy with the, the horror and the cheese that's that's involved with it. Um, but, you know. And the other thing I had here says embrace it. Embrace the low budget. Embrace the camp. Like you said, he built the world. It was part of the world. Yeah, and they just embraced it. That's the thing. The whole movie seems like it knew what it was the whole time. Exactly. And like it didn't try to be anything that it wasn't. And I think it's like Sam Raimi, you know, obviously respected his own vision and respected mm -hmm. his own uh, ability to make it in the tone that he did. Mm -hmm. Like, like, and I guess that goes with the same thing with like the lighting you know it's yeah. like he knew what he could do with what he had and he did it and he was able to execute it pretty well like i don't know i think think that's for me one of the most impressive parts of this movie and just m most low budget movies that end up being cult films or just films that jumpstart careers you mm -hmm. know um right right like you know like uh robert rodriguez did El Mariachi, the whole movie he did for seven thousand dollars, yeah. and it does look kind of cheap, but it doesn't pretend to be something that was right. like exactly. that wasn't super cheap, you know. Exactly. Like it's a little cheesy and stuff, but like it works. Like you watch that movie and it's a fun movie. It it, it it's you know it's its own thing. It's just like this movie or Evil Dead. Like I don't know. Like what there's a lot to learn when watching these type of movies i think they're some of my favorite movies to watch um when i'm starting my own project because it gets me pumped up you're like well yeah. fuck they did it like look what they did with that amount of money or this yep. amount of money right. and all the yeah limitations. it's inspiring yeah totally yeah like fucking kevin smith you know right kevin oh, yeah. smith exactly. shane carruth you know yeah. they're making these great movies right with no money right yeah primer was seven grand i think yeah 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 i mean it's, it's crazy it's, it's impressive yeah. and then the other thing too um you know when working with a low budget and stuff too is like if you develop something like for example he used demons so like you know we have an idea of what a demon is but you can get creative with what a demon is so like in this case you know they use milk for like blood yeah like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like because it's a demon. Fuck it. Why not? It doesn't need to bleed red. It can bleed whatever the fuck I want it to. You know what I mean? So create things in horror, create monsters, create situations that are heightened. And people remember you know? that. Yeah. You know? Totally. It's like, oh yeah. shit, it has white blood. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you can use things that are not traditional to, to meet, to make ends meet. Um, right. <clears throat> and, you know, like what they did too, use shemps, use replacements, and embrace the fact that it might not look the best, but if you use enough of it, your movie kind of becomes that. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. It's kind yeah. of a trip. Which, which is fine. Totally, you know? totally. Just fucking do it. Just go do it. Exactly. Don't let, don't let shit hold you back. Yep. And there's two other things, uh, just kind of ending with this, ending this list here. Uh, in this film specifically, they didn't waste any time getting to the horror. And I think that kind of helps. 
you know, sometimes with the newer films, a reason why people don't necessarily like them as much is because the horror, it just takes too long to get to somewhere. And if you're going to do low budget, if you're going to do horror, if you're going to just go all out, don't waste time getting there. Just get there yeah, and like, make the movie that. If it's a slow build, which I love slow build movies, but if you're working a really low budget, sometimes like you're really kind of gambling because if it's a slow burn and then you get to the horror element and it's like the audience doesn't buy it, yep. then you've messed up. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go right into it and it doesn't, people kind of laugh at it at first. But then it becomes fun, yeah. and then you just go on for the ride, you know? Exactly. You're like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I And don't slow know. films can come off as pretentious. Right. And, like, a lot of new right. filmmakers want to try that. Sometimes, you know, you got to know when to go slow and when to go, and when yeah. just to just go balls to the wall. I mean, if you can, if you can pull it off, and uh, go for it. But if, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, like you said, I think this movie, it really... He, they just went for it. Yep. I, I respect that totally. Yeah. It's From like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just, you're, you know, you're just along for the ride. It yeah. made the whole, like you said, it just made the whole movie more fun. <laughs> and you, you, you're, you're also, when you don't, when you don't waste time getting to the place, you're building the world faster. And if you can construct the world faster, then the things that happen in your world can be more believable. Right. Right. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, like, sure. with the vines and stuff, yeah, I'm looking at it. And it's like, obviously, like, no one's going to look at that and think it's real. But it works so well within the that the movie. Yeah. Like, I, it, it didn't take me out of the movie at all. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, right. So that's right. what's cool. And I think people get so caught up with technical stuff like that. Um you know, but if it, it can still work, no, totally. You know? Like, totally. <laughs> yeah, people get caught up in a lot of things when they watch movies, you know. But I, I feel like most people should just go to them to a movie and just fucking uncross your arms, you know. Yeah. Just be positive. Don't be like a dick, you know. <laughs> it's entertainment at the so, end of the day. So right? stupid. Like you're paying ten bucks and you're like, all right, entertain me, bitch. It's like <laughs> no, just like unfold your arms, have your popcorn, get your ice cream if you're b ryan and you know, <laughs> make it work well, just I mean, watch the movie yeah it's true I mean, so so many of my friends and my family like kind of make fun of me they're like well what movie don't you like byron because like right because like but i i try to enjoy any you know any or every aspect of the film that i can right you know it, except for a scout there's one there's one. That's the one. But he still likes it, but not. He's just like a little. It's, he's just a little bit distasteful. Yeah, just because yeah. Pulp Fiction. I mean, really, it's just so. It's so much. Like, for, it's so. It's so. It's it's superior in every way. Right. Like you give that film a ninety-five percent on on uh, as a score, but everything else gets a hundred. But that film is ninety-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that sounds Basically. about right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so actually, what? oh, go ahead. Uh, I lost it. Oh. <laughs> There's actually two. Uh, uh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pause. You're done. No, there's a couple things. There's actually one other, uh, two other things I want to say now. Uh, so the other thing I had is uh, good set design. If you can spend a little bit of time making your set, making the people, making it work for oh. the scene that you're doing, it doesn't take a lot. Um, you know, you don't spend a bunch of money redoing it. Just pick a location that works and good set design can elevate your movie um and then the last thing is this film had strong music i thought i think good music can elevate so much more than a lot of other elements of your film if your score fits if your score sounds 
nice if you're making a low budget film but you want a crazy cinematic orchestral score go for it and it can help elevate your film beyond oh, for just sure. what it is you know oh, yeah music yeah. has a weird talk, way talk of, to skinny yeah he does everything i mean that's like actually a really good topic i mean how sound like with when you're talking budget like spend more money on sound, on sound than sound design than even yeah. lighting because yeah. like yeah you, like separates like, the men from the boys like we've talked sure. we've talked about this before where it's like people will forgive a shitty looking movie if the sound is good but people will not forgive a movie right, if exactly. the sound is shit and exactly. it looks good like, yes so yeah. sound is the most hidden thing in the movie yeah you know so like maybe hidden visual effects are the most hidden but no one thinks about like what that horse sounds like or should sound like yeah. but if it sounds off they know it's off exactly. Right. exactly yeah so invest in sound guys yeah that's the biggest actually it's biggest pitfall for low budget is they don't capture good sound while on set which is number one if you're gonna have audio get good recorded audio while you're there because it's hard to fix audio you can fix it and it takes a lot of time but it's hard to fix and then design the sound expend a lot of time like in your editing when you cut together your your piece spend time figuring out the sound like there's things like room tone that are super basic that people don't even know about like what room tone is room tone is just when we're in a room there is a sound happening all the time and when it's non-existent in a film we know the speaker is not playing any sound. You have to have some sort of tone. Each room, each out, even if you're outside, has a specific tone to it. Record that. Get a 60 seconds of clean, no no other sounds besides the room tone. Um, spend time figuring out how you can emphasize cuts. Um, you know, with certain cuts, you can add sound. Cut it. You can <clears throat> add sound in to em- emphasize a cut. Uh, you know there's lots of little filler sounds you need too, like walking a lot of people don't think well you know we hear people walking but we don't think about it so add in shoes things closing things being set down clicks of pens there's just all a bunch of little shit you can add uh sound wise jacob is having technical difficulties yeah. currently yeah i mean i don't know like um yeah i, I I was super impressed with both of these movies uh, with when it comes to their uh, sound design. Yeah, um, like their the scores are both good, uh, but I, the sound design and the sound effects, like especially in um, the remake, uh, just yeah. I guess Evil Dead, like the sound design and stuff, like with the, all the all the. I don't know, just like the de- the de- the noise that the demons made and all that. Totally. Just, just really cool. Like totally, and that that's something that really. Sh- I mean the effects and stuff in evil dead were great um and i'm guessing a part of that 17 million dollar budget was effects but but really the thing that really stood out to me was definitely the sound yeah <laughs> we remember good music yeah you know like it said john williams scores everyone knows john williams scores. We remember <laughs> yeah. that and we may not remember the specific sounds but like you said you will not watch the movie if it sounds like shit and like we talked about darren aronofsky earlier like noah for me, like it looked really good, but for me, like that soundtrack, for some reason, I love. There's like parts of that soundtrack that I really took away. Like mm-hmm. when I watched the movie, if that if it wasn't for particular that particular music, the movie wouldn't be as good for to me. Right. Like I don't know. Exactly. Like, um, Sound. I mean, music elevates your movie. Yeah. It really does. It and it, 
it's a place that people don't they don't think about it till the end and they don't think about sound to the end and yeah. you have to be thinking about all those elements the from the time, kick-up. yeah and like the bad batch uh to go back to that film uh she played she already knew what her soundtrack was going to be like with nice. the pop songs and her the electronic songs and stuff that she had so she like tried to buy as many of those um before they actually started filming so that they she knew that they were going to be on nice. in the film and then she played them on set and had the cast and crew like listen to them constantly so that those the vibe, the vibe would there. just kind of seep through into the film and i know Refin does that too he has like certain songs that are the ones that he wants or ones that are similar to the ones that he's going to try and you know put in and it just kind of makes everything kind of just fit together and make it organic they did that in Django actually where um, he's they kind of do that montage where he gets new clothes and they get a horse and they right. ride away yeah. if you listen to the behind the scenes when they film on that set um, they play the music super loud over That's speakers sweet. Yeah, it's really cool sounding. It's just to get that vibe, you know, like, yeah, I'm growing into myself, you and, know, whatever. Like, even if you don't have the money or the budget to buy, like, <laughs> pop songs and stuff like that, still, if you have an idea of what your artist is going to try and do, play a song. Something similar, um, yeah. Something similar on set. And get that's a cheap way of trying to create an atmosphere um, without, like, having to say, like, this is what it's going to be, blah, 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 blah. Um, if you're working with non-professional actors that can't just like get into that particular zone, you know, mm-hmm. like put some music on, you know, do anything, save yourself some money and time. But yeah, <laughs> and Jacob's still. Uh, I don't know what's going on offline. Here, yeah. <laughs> Sucks because I was trying to wrap it up here, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, literally just disconnected, and then. Yeah. Weird. Let's see what can I what can I talk about here briefly while uh God damn it. another series of figure this out. Another <laughs> series of fucking Um Hmm. What can I rant on around about? <laughs> <laughs> just rant about Jacob. See, this is what I've lost without Keith's hosting skills. <laughs> yeah, because I have like a whole list of shit to talk about. But I, I, in an effort to try and keep things shorter like we've been trying to do, I'm trying to wrap it up. But like, you know, with a higher budget, you can definitely notice the differences, um, such as like more aerial shots. That was a big one. Uh, why will it not? Okay, whatever. Are you dudes alive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sending messages and shit. All right. Let me close this. God. Fuck it. I guess we could technically edit this part out, this section, if we wanted to. Yeah. I thought about saying we should just, like, let's take a break, and then we'll come back in, but I didn't do that. So now we're just, like, trying not to have dead air. <laughs> uh but yeah, you notice, like, you know, with the big budget different. Like, nowadays, too, what's interesting, I didn't even think about this when, we were, when I was writing my notes. Like, there's so much access to drones. Like, getting aerial shots can be huge to up your quality. Oh, big you know? deal, yeah. Just get someone to freaking fly a drone around, you know, and get it's, some cinematic shots. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, aerial photography amps up your production value. He, like you know, by a long shot. Um, it's one of those things that when a, an audience 
watches they kind of take some of that stuff for granted when they just watch regular movies or tv shows because they're in most movies and sometimes when you put it into like a low budget film uh they'll just immediately recognize like oh shit like yeah they how do they do that or what they you know um or they don't see it at all because it's so something that's seeped into so many movies and tv shows nowadays um but it, it still comes off as impressive like oh fuck i don't know what it was but that movie <laughs> seemed really really professional mm -hmm. you know and the shots exactly. and stuff were epic like exactly and then it wasn't you know wouldn't be till later maybe where they're like damn like it was those aerial shots like that's what really separated mm -hmm. there was no other movie at the local film festival that had you know aerial shots in it they did they, they did a really good job with that um right exactly anything to 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 stand out from the crowd but yet you can do that cheaply now i mean you can there's um local film places that you could probably go to and rent uh, a drone or a drone operator and, right um or you know there's so many of those and you can get ones that shoot 1080p for fairly cheap um you can get ones now that shoot of course in 4k and stuff like that and i mean drones are one of those things that you can spend you know 300 bucks on and you can spend you know fifteen thousand on <laughs> like yeah, exactly. it's like <laughs> one um, of those things but the other thing too is like <clears throat> the other thing too is like if you can't afford that you can don't be afraid to like get stock footage you know like you can buy stock footage for fairly cheap you can buy stock templates for after effects for titles like there's lots of templates out there lots of stock stuff don't be afraid to go there um well even um ridley scott had to use go to stanley kubrick um and they actually use some stuff for alien i believe so there's some stuff oh, that, that kubrick actually shot that's actually in uh in alien cool i believe well uh we're having technical issues so um i think we'll just wrap it up we'll just say we're at we'll here. just say uh bye for jacob <laughs> <laughs> well apparently he recorded himself saying bye so i could just add that in right at the <laughs> yeah. end which will probably, you'll probably hear jacob just say bye this is his way of saying it um, and then he'll say skinny after and, the yeah skinny oh, God, i wonder if he did i'll have to put that in there uh so yeah let me do let's see so yeah film budgets um don't be afraid of them for sure don't be afraid of them uh so if you have any questions topic suggestions opinions or if you have any fact corrections send an email to b2bfilmspodcast at gmail.com we're always trying to learn new things so we'd love to hear from you you can also visit our facebook page back to back films and join our group to comment on or discuss this week's episode those episodes can also be found at soundcloud.com slash btbfilms our intro and outro music uh, was composed by curtis skinner who can be found at skinnyproducing.com Next week, we'll be covering um, Kabiria, the 1914 film, and Hercules, 1957 film, discussing all things Peplum. Uh, so make sure you watch those films to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. And uh, iTunes, right? Oh, have I not been saying the iTunes stuff? Oh, my God. I don't think I have. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, we can be found on iTunes. We've been on iTunes since like episode <laughs> 10, and I have not been saying that. Son of a bitch. Yeah, we are on iTunes as well, so you can find us there uh, for some easy listening. And then hopefully here pretty soon, the next couple weeks, next couple episodes, we're trying to figure out how to get onto the other services that you can listen to via like Android, Stitcher. Um, I don't, I can't remember exactly all the names. I know Stitcher's one um, <clears throat> that you can use on Android. But we're trying to get there so that this... Our podcast can be listened to wherever and whenever. 
right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Goodbye, everybody.